there's been over a 20 to 1 return. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, a new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent death. The booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. The plan is for every, every adult to get a booster shot. It's uh, clearly one of the best investments uh, I've ever been involved in. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I keep pausing because I feel like I keep saying 2022. Maybe I'm wrong. Thank you for joining me today. I have, I have a really jam-packed show today that doesn't really, the title just does not do it justice. It's one of those days where there is so much to fit in in such an interesting, overlapping, continuous discussion. And you know what? I'm realizing right now it tends to be these conversations around, as I've been deeming, the pandemic of the injected. Because there's so many angles to this, and it's just kind of this... I was even toying with the to the, to the title today of, you know, the dam is broken or something like that. And it's like, well, that's already... It's been this way for a long time. It's just this is another step. We're going further and further into this where more people are speaking out, more... High level studies continue to find the things we already have been discussing, even proving in many cases. But more than that, today, we've got a lot of corporate articles, corporate uh, uh, media articles. Time magazine, for example, coming out and going, well, experts say the boosters are not the right thing to do. It's like it's kind of shocking even even now to see them do this. 
to me, it shows you the thing we call, well, interestingly enough, I've been calling the release valve. There is, it, it's, I believe the proper term is the relief valve, but the term da, is in regard to releasing steam and, and pressure, rather. The point being is release, relief valve. It's something that is, it's a mechanism we discuss where, uh, actually, the Off Guardian did a great article about this in regard to the whole JFK conversation that came out through Fox. They know when we see something, they just being the ubiquitous, you know, those, the powers that shouldn't be, let's leave it that way. They see that, you know, their narratives aren't sticking, whether it's COVID or Ukraine or using JFK as an example. And they recognize that we, we know, we just straight up know, not maybe the full picture, but that we're like, yeah, we don't buy your store anymore. 9-11. Yeah, we don't, we know, we know there's something that you're not telling us. So what they do when they know that the cat's out of the bag is they give you a limited release, a little bit of information. So you think, oh, there is some accountability. They are actually doing their job. But in, and I'm not saying we know it's this way every single time this happens. But in many cases, this is an opera an, an agenda carried out in order to stop you from looking further. I often think that's what was a lot of this around the recent so many elections was a lot of, a lot was done in this or maybe the entire thing in order to stop you from seeking something beyond the paradigm that we're currently existing in. But back to the point today, we see things talking about the bivalent booster, for example, rather the entirely new injection that wasn't tested properly. And generally speaking, the injections and they're coming out now and going, yeah, you know, these things aren't exactly like we thought. And then when you read through it, it's sort of a, a it's it's not sort of it's a manipulation. It's basically saying, yeah, here's why those people, those crazy conspiracy theorists that are still totally crazy conspiracy theorists had a little bit of truth. But here's the full picture. And it ends up saying, here's why this isn't exactly like we said it was, but blah, 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 still the right thing to do. Right. And that's ultimately how this goes. And you can agree with that if you'd like, but we're going to go through and show you the same evidence we've shown before on top of the new information we have today that makes it an undeniable reality, which is why so many experts are speaking up and saying, stop the shots now, not for them. Some people, okay, for over 65. No, it's wrong and bad and dangerous for literally everybody. Now, this is something we all need to be saying at this point, because the evidence shows this. The peer-reviewed science shows this. And we'll go through it again today. Higher overall risk of serious adverse events, higher risk of, uh, of, catching, of catching whatever is going on out there, including other things than the thing they call COVID, just an increased risk in infection, a dysregulation of your immune system. I mean, my God, and that's not even including things like myocarditis, which we've seen that number dwindle and dwindle until now we're at like one in 555 at least according to one peer-reviewed study, the risk of catching myocard or getting myocarditis following these injections. We now also have another study that shows a dangerously high percentage, even from the numbers there, which I argue is one of these relief valve situations, from one of their studies saying it was over 17% of the kids in this trial got some sort of, of heart-related problem after the second shot. And yet we're still pretending like we don't know what's going on. Mind-blowing. So all that said, we're going to go through this today, and all of this in one one show is kind of like one, as you as we tend to do on the show, all kind of connected to one larger point. And, and this is just really that these things are hurting people from a cardiac perspective, or really when, towards the end of the show, we're going to get into a great story by the expose showing you that the, the BBC without, I mean, I, I kind of actually would like to believe it's inadvertently. That they're not, that they didn't even realize they're so bought into their own narrative. They don't realize what they just put out literally proves what we're saying. This has been happening a lot. And as I've said a lot in the beginning, you can't lie about everything until eventually you find yourself in a position where you can't take another step until you, and which, unless you have, you can't take another step. Otherwise, you'll contradict a previous lie. There you go. That's the way to say that. But so let's jump into this today and we'll start with. 
uh, uh, some more more experts speaking out. And it's just unparalleled how many we're seeing as well. The continually depressingly sad examples of more and more and more athletes and more children and more people day by day collapsing, fainting strokes. And also, by the way, the CDC pretending they're going to do. And this is the best example of the relief valve. An investigation into the strokes because, you know, the signal shows a problem with the strokes. And then like less than 24 hours later, we did our investigation and we found no injury, no, no increased risk of stroke stroke. Go right back to taking these injections. I'm not making that up. Less than 24 hours investigation. And yet apparently they went through every single thing. But yet we're still totally not trusting Bayer's because it's unconfirmed. So it takes them three years to still comb through Bayer's, which, by the way, they're not doing. But in less than 24 hours, they can do this with one of them and tell you assuredly it's completely safe and effective, even though. We did an entire show on how that the very point of safe and effective has been shown that they're using it inappropriately. They got caught lying about it. And now they've altered the terminology like they've done with a lot of things, but different show entirely. Well, let's start today with these experts, because this should be one of the easiest ways to reach the average person. But the problem is they've been so lulled into this sense of just well they just take whatever's handed to them by the people that still continue to tell them they made the right choice and that's a rapidly dwindling number of people that's my opinion i believe the majority has long since overtaken those that blindly follow the narrative today i know it's hard to see but i do believe that i think we have a lot of examples of that but if you want to reach the average person put these things in front of them where you have an expert Highly regarded, highly credentialed expert that is saying, look, these things are dangerous, especially those that moments ago said the opposite. I don't know how you can dismiss that today unless you're just desperate to make sense of your own choice. This is Chief Nerd sharing this former Bristol Myers Squibb scientist. Quote, I am scared for everyone who has taken this. (laughs) You just can't miss how clear that is. So I look at the data as part of my belief in my ability to observe objective reality and make decisions based on it. And when I look at the data, it terrifies me. There are so many unknowns from the long-term safety that I'm scared for everyone who's taken us. And truly, I, I sit down at night sometimes and cry because I have so many friends who've taken this vaccine and I worry about them in the long term. We don't have long-term safety data. What we do know is that this protein, the spike protein, combined two proteins in the brain that can cause long-term side effects, potentially. We know that the vaccines cause neurological side effects. We know that they have the ability to get to the brain. Everybody who's taken it should be deeply concerned from that perspective alone that right. the long-term side effects are enough. It's amazing to me. And this is such common sense. The long-term side effects are unknown. It's completely undeniable. It's right in their own documentation. I didn't even plan to bring this up. I bring it up often enough. But you know what I mean? Like, this is the craziest part is they update this document regularly. This is the same commercy document, which currently includes the, the bivalent injection, which says all the things we always point out, including which we'll get to later in the show, that they're, they don't know whether it's safe for pregnant women that are either bre- pregnant or breastfeeding. Why? Because they didn't do the studies. They don't know. We don't know if it's safe. Except right now, you'll see Walgreens going, we know it's safe. Come and get it today. How do you make sense of that without some kind of psychological operation? They don't know if it's safe with other injections, sort of thing like, you know, the flu shot, which means they don't know. But yet they go, come get your flu shot right alongside this injection because we know it's safe. But they don't because they say right here, we didn't even do the studies to find out. So we don't know whether the efficacy or the safety may be affected 
or the point we're making right now, long-term safety data. Long-term safety data is not known. How is that even possible? Because you realize how far we are away from the argument that we're in so much danger that that makes sense. We are long past that. So now we're at a point where they're like, yeah, it's more transmissible, but not even really much danger anymore. But now we're also finding out, which we'll get to again in a minute, it's never been that dangerous, according to the Ionitis group, doing the overall risk pre-injections. So we've never been in danger, like they said we were, less than the flu. But apparently the argument that we don't even know if it's safe long term is enough because we're so much danger. But we're not, though. Wait a minute. Now, how are we making sense of that? The whole, You know how we're making sense of that or how they're making sense of that? They're still towing the original line. Now, ask yourself how that's even possible. How are we still pretending this thing stays in your shoulder muscle? How are we still pretending that we know this is safe long term? How are we still pretending any of the number of things they keep saying that have been proven even by peer reviewed science, even by corporate conversations that this isn't the case anymore? It's, I'm, I mean, I'm as confused as you are, but it's still happening and they still do it like we're seeing right now. Or rather just she's referencing and we will see more throughout the show that we don't know. And everybody who's taken this should be concerned. Here's another example. Dr. Maholtra, Maholtra is sharing another example of this. And this is another important one. This is a study we're going to reference again. We've already referenced more than once. But I wanted you to hear it directly from the person who was involved with the study. Lead author of the peer-reviewed research that reanalyzed. I just can't get over how important and how damning that is. Reanalyzed the Pfizer and Moderna trial data from the phase three trial part. And guess what? Found wildly damning evidence. I mean, dude, that, that should have been a screeching halt realization. You mean they either lied to us about the findings or got it wrong? And it's dangerous? And the reevaluation of their own information shows us that it's dangerous? <laughs> yes, all of that's true. But it keeps going and we get shouted down as conspiracy theorists. Their own data. And this is what we keep showing you from an expert perspective. Plenty of experts are like, wait a minute. <laughs> they, they, their conclusion says one thing, but here's what the data shows. That's been happening because we are literally living through an open, active cover-up and manipulation. It doesn't mean that everybody's involved, but you just can't keep pulling these punches, guys. It's transparently obvious at this point. And people like this are continuing to tell you this. Joseph Freeman calls for an immediate suspension of all of them for everybody due to serious harm after he simply reviewed their data. Now ask yourself, wasn't that what the FDA was supposed to do? Wasn't that what the CDC was supposed to do? Didn't they even look at the information? Well, either they didn't care to look or they did and they didn't care it was dangerous. Or worse than anything, they didn't and they're not smart enough to see that it shows you that it's dangerous. Either way you look at this, this is out there now and this has broken. The question is, why are they still allowing this to continue? My name is Dr. Joseph Raymond. I'm an emergency physician based in Louisiana. In addition, I am a clinical scientist. I was the lead author of a peer-reviewed study that reanalyzed the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines. We found the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of 1 in 800. Increases, increases. So the more you take them as well, serious adverse events by a rate of one in 800. I mean, my God. So just for, for the Ionitis group showing that the average under, especially under 50, I believe uh, here, I'm just going to look at it real quick so I don't get that wrong. We'll come to this in a second. Is showing us guys that the risk for the at most everybody, a global pre-vaccination infection fatality rate as low as 0.03% in general, 0.07 for under 59 
0.07. That's less than the flu. That is pre-vaccination. That's the original risk. And here we're talking about an increase of 1 in 800 for possible death, hospitalization, or permanent disability. 1 in 800. There's sim- that is just basic reality. That is more danger with this thing. There is no benefit. It's not efficacious. It's not safe. It's not effective, guys. Same point, I guess. Not effective, not safe. I just can't get past how obvious this is. At the time of publication, my co-authors and I did not believe our single study warranted the withdrawal of the messenger RNA vaccines from the market. However, since its publication, multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light, and this has caused me to reevaluate my position. An article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own observational surveillance data found the messenger RNAs were associated with multiple of the exact same serious adverse events identified in our original study. But the FDA had failed to inform the public of these findings. Right. So what that means is the CDC did find them. They did find the same things. They found exactly what they found, he found, when they reanalyzed it. The same thing Pfizer-Moderna didn't, to- didn't make clear, or rather obfuscated. And then the CDC found it, didn't tell anybody. It took all this time, three years, two plus years, for these people to come back and look at the same information. Same things other people have done, and been shouted down as conspiracy theorists for doing so. And they found these are dangerous. And they knew about it. Didn't tell anybody. In fact, not only didn't tell anybody, but forced people to take it. That's just straight up evil, guys. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths. Multiple autopsy studies finding conclusive evidence that they're causing this. Think about that with Damar Hamlin and all the other examples. Not that we can prove, absolutely, And we would in an honest world that would do in a genuine investigation. But at this moment, what we have in front of us that we can't prove conclusively that that is what happened. But the fact that nobody cares to even ask the question shows you what a cover up this is. This is the prime question. The thing that is the high possible risk from this thing causing exactly what they dealt with. And we're not even going to ask that. Instead, we're going to lean into a direction of something that's like the most statistically impossible thing in the conversation. Commotio cordis. It's just painful how the mental gymnastics that are being done to hide this information. Yet the rate of these vaccine-induced deaths remains unknown. While many nations that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, Mm -hmm. more people dying than should be expected from past years. And this correlates in time with the initial vaccine rollout and then with the subsequent booster campaigns. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality. While the cause of this excess mortality is not known, researchers analyzing this data were unable to identify any other reasonable cause of the excess death other than the vaccines. And that is, again, where I'll point back to one of the biggest statements made by the, again, I think, I hate that I can't, I don't know how to find this out again. I have it in a show that I did right in the beginning of all this. I believe it was the the lead medical examiner for for Pittsburgh uh, Medical Center. That's the only thing I'm questioning is whether it was Pittsburgh, but I'm 95% sure that was correct. The point is on the record, he said this right at the beginning. The whole point was we're doing autopsy, we're doing investigations. And the reality being that vaccine-induced problems are very, almost impossible to find. And that's something that's well-known by these people involved with this whole thing. And the reality is that he said on the record, I believe it was Newsweek that covered this, if I'm correct, and they said, or he said specifically, quoted, that when you have no alternative cause, 
and you know the injection was given prior to the incident, that's the that's the most conclusive evidence. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Just that's usually an indication that that is the injection. You know, when you have an injection that was taken, when you have this random thing and you can't find any other cause, that's usually a good indication because of how hard it is to find that connection. And yet today they act like, well, we can't find it. Therefore, it's not the vaccine. They know the same thing he said, just like he's saying there. They play with this information. They play on the ignorance of the average person. Given now that Omicron variant is less virulent and is able to evade much of the protection offered by the vaccines, this creates a situation where the benefits of the vaccine have been dramatically reduced in if they were ever there. hospitalization and, and death. Together, this information calls into question if the vaccine's benefits are outweighing the harm. Right. I believe, given the information, the messenger RNA vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market right. until new randomized controlled trials can clearly demonstrate the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the serious harm we now know the vaccines are causing. That we now know the vaccines are causing. No. And he's talking about random controlled trials, right? And this is the point, is that we can't just trust what Pfizer tells the government and the government tells us. It's absurd, especially since they tried to drag their feet. 75 years. Give us 75 years. Imagine if we hadn't been here. Imagine if the independent media didn't exist. Imagine if all you got was Fox and CNN going, don't worry, they'll let you know in 75 years national security. Imagine that. I mean, we, we wouldn't have any idea. Imagine if you didn't have the series and the high wires out there pushing this to make it happen and making them reveal the information. They'd be, they would be running roughshod right over everybody. That's Think about how important that is, having that actual pushback against the narrative. Exactly what the corporate media no longer is even capable of if they ever were. Here's Dr. Maholtra, who broke through on the corporate media. They invited him on, which is very interesting, by the way. And this is where I get into the beginning steps, points of the, the relief valve. Because I find it really hard to believe that they weren't aware of what Dr. Maholter's been saying and that what he would likely say when given the opportunity. So they invite him on BBC. But to talk about statins, you know, the thing, by the way, he publicly called out many times in the past. So it's very clear that they, I think that this was, they wanted this to come out. That's my opinion. Cardiologist says likely contributory factory to excess cardiovascular death is COVID mRNA vaccine and rollout should be suspended pending inquiry. He did get that out on a mainstream broadcast. Of course, they don't post it anywhere. You're not going to find it anywhere on their YouTubes or Twitters. Of course not. But they let it squeak out on a BBC broadcast. And good for him. If you want to watch at least the full clip that he shared, it's right there. It's a long clip. He gets into all, it's seven minutes. He gets into all the other, the peripheral stuff, the statins, which by the way, you should watch his coverage of this before, calling out statins in general, that that, that they're not benefiting the people that are taking them by and large and so on, yet that's the go-to for the the corporate medical field. But here's the main clip that he, that he, that he, uh, where he pointed these things out. I'll play this for you right now. And it's, this is just heart sharing this clip. The point is that this is important to get out. But ask yourself, why would BBC allow this? We've seen them cut broadcasts in real time for far less. We've also, we also, again, I find it very hard to believe that they're not hyper aware of exactly who he is. One of the reasons I think this is coming to the news just now is obviously there's been a big concern uh, recently around excess deaths. Now, the British Heart Foundation have said, certainly during the pandemic or since the pandemic, there's been 30,000 excess deaths specifically due to coronary artery disease. That's my area of expertise. And they're trying to figure out what's causing it. 
analysis I've done, even Carl Hennigan, the director of Centre of Evidence-Based Medicine Oxford, suggests that statin pills prescription hasn't reduced since the pandemic. So it's unlikely to be a cause. But what the whole point was, they were trying to couch it on the idea that, well, they stopped taking their statins, which are alternatively, we argue, don't actually have the effect. In fact, they hurt people in many ways. But their argument is, like always, that that's probably why we see the increase, just clumsily pointing at whatever else they can, despite the gigantic Pfizer elephant in the room. But the point is that they tried to point, oh, statins, that's probably why. And he just kind of goes, well, no, here's more likely the cause. Again, I find it very hard to think they wouldn't know that was coming. It is almost certainly, and I, if you allow me to say this, Laquesta, what I, my own research has found is that the COVID mRNA vaccines do carry a cardiovascular risk. And know um, I've actually called for the suspension of this pending an inquiry because there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what's causing the excess deaths. Some of it will be ambulance delays. My own father, it was reported on BBC News in um, late 2021, uh, I was the first to actually highlight the ambulance delays because my own father suffered a cardiac arrest at home and the ambulance took 30 minutes. And when his post-mortem came out... He Let's had- not forget on a side note that that's by and large because they forced people out of the industry that would not take their dangerous injection. That's why this largely started and why it continues now. And this idea that we... Like, it's. It's like they created their own shorting uh, staff shortage and then blamed that on people getting sick. It's very obvious how they keep just connecting dots that aren't there for their own purposes. Doesn't mean it's all entirely that. Of course, that does have an effect, but it's pretty transparently clear that that immediately started right after everybody got forced out of the field. I had very severe coronary artery disease, which is unexplainable. I then published in a peer-reviewed journal. They accepted my findings that the likely cause of his death was two doses of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine he had six months earlier. So what you're saying in terms of the mRNA link to cardiovascular risk, is that that is a proven, it's been proven medically, has it? My God, are you kidding me? This is the lady that's invested. So that's been proven. You mean the, the thing that we've all, like, think about how dumb it is to stand there and question even the simple concept that the myocarditis connection has been proven. Really? The fact that these journalists don't even know that shows you the entire thing. These people are not the ones that are informed. They are relaying information to you. That's pathetic. That's the same idea as the lady that was just on that massive show when confronted with the simple idea, when defending mask use, about the idea that it's too small to be stopped simply by the si- the micron size compared to the hole in the mask. And she's like, oh, I've never heard that before. This is the lady defending mask use. These are basic original d- arguments from the beginning of this conversation. These people are willfully ignorant or just following along. It's it's crazy to me. But I love how the, so what you're saying is, no, 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 don't do that. I said exactly what I said. Don't paraphrase it the way you want people to hear it. That's what corporate media does all the time. And Twitter is constantly doing. Scientifically. Yeah. Yes, Laquesta. So in medicine, you know, in any research that we do, it's very difficult to always be absolutely conclusive. So we mm. go on like. And that's why she asked the question, I argue, because they know that he is at least, you know, one thing I when this came out again, I I, I feel so far what he's done has been wildly beneficial to people trying to expose what's going on. Nonetheless, the way that this has gone down makes me now go one step back a little bit and go, okay, wait a minute. Is it possible that he was put out in this way in order to create the situation where this could be done and they could couch it in a certain way? And, you know, who knows what happens? That's not what I feel right now. Overall, I still feel like he's done far more good and it could just be that, you know, who knows? But we should always be okay questioning that. Anything. You know, whether or not you're completely certain this person's always been on your side, always stand back and go, could it be that? That's just smart discernment, questioning, everything. But the point is that that makes me a little concerned there. 
because it could be easily done to bring somebody in that appears to be like they finally saw the truth and then it kind of gets warped back in. His point there at the end is, well, we don't know for sure. And that is the honest answer because we don't. But that would be if you, if you said 99 percent, that would be we don't know for sure because there's still one percent. That's what a real honest doc scientist would say. Because that's the truth. But the reality is it's quite plainly obvious this is at least some of what's happening. That doesn't really get across in this article. That just ends up, or the, the point there just ends up being, well, it could be. And the average viewer who doesn't want to hear everything else he said, they're going to end up taking that. That's how I perceive it. Either way, I still think this was a positive thing. I'm just very, I'm on guard for where this continues next. Because of how all of what we're seeing and turn off your new TV news sees the same thing. If a cardiologist is suddenly allowed to talk about jab damage on BBC News without getting cut off, it means they want you to see it. And, you know, as much as that may seem conspiratorial to some people, I genuinely believe that we need. I mean, how do we not see how this has gone so far? Not even just COVID-19. These entities are businesses. They're run by wildly political invested people, politically invested people. That doesn't mean it's always the case, but when, you know, when there's something that they're, they're literally being funded by and large, I mean, literally predominantly by the pharmaceutical companies, there's a thousand reasons to think that this doesn't make sense. So just consider the possibility that if that did happen, that they want you to see that for some reason. And that's why I think this is so alarming because I'm worried that we're going to get couched into some, whatever the next manipulation is to get us back in line. And that's what always happens. That is the release valve point. So here is what we're continuing to see. These are the things we've saw just over the last week where all of a sudden CNN FDA vaccine advisors, quote, disappointed and angry that early data about new COVID booster shot wasn't presented for review. What a stupid. I mean, think about that. So the FDA, the very group whose job it is to keep these people in line to be like to the Federal Drug Administration. The one supposed to be ensuring that they don't slip by and not present data and put something on the market that's dangerous. That's their entire job. And they're just kind of going, we're mad at you because you didn't do the thing you were supposed to. That's your job. Well, who are you pouting to? Who are you complaining to? The public who you allowed to get hurt? This is simply, in my mind, a way to make it seem like we thought we did all we could. And it turns out we got fooled. And it's like, okay, who else was saying that? All of us over here screaming, look at Pfizer's track record. Look at how many times they've been lying about it. Fake news, conspiracy theory, dangerous medical misinformation. And then finally swing back around FDA's going, we're disappointed and angry. They didn't present the data they were supposed to. It's like, how do you not see through that? This is childish. As I said, this is like Ben Shapiro saying, we were lied to. No, no, buddy. You blindly trusted authorities as you were taught and somehow still don't see that. Likely because you thought trusting the authorities as you were taught was, quote, research now you know I, I don't know whether that's the case or not some people fall into that trap either way very clearly he did say we were lied to whether that's to cover up the fact that he felt sheepish for completely being fooled because he didn't actually look at the data like a lot of us did clearly he did unless he did and just didn't care that it showed the opposite or because maybe that's the case who knows but the point is these advisors are likely trying to save face as we always say they would rather be seen as incompetent than criminal that's the key to this we're angry that we didn't do our job you can't. It, this is like this is like anybody in a position who has an obligation, and then when they don't do that, blaming the person who you were supposed to hold accountable. It's just stupid, right? It's you know you don't blame the student for failing the class when you're the teacher, right? You're the one in charge. You're the one that's supposed to be teaching. If he fails, it's your fault. This is ridiculous, but this is still happening. By the way, I think it's meant to hide the fact that they're continuing to allow it to go this way. Deadline passes for Pfizer to submit results of post-vaccination heart inflammation study. 
Of course it does, because that wasn't real, guys. There's blatantly obvious, whether it's observational or peer-reviewed science coming out, that these things are hurting people's hearts specifically. And they're going to do a retroactive research and study after they've given it to billions of people. We're going to make sure. What do you? Why would they possibly come out and go, you're right. You're right. We didn't see it. And we just murdered a lot of people. Are we good now? No, you're going to prison. That's not going to happen. They're not going to come out and say, yeah, we did this and we missed it. Except remember, that's exactly what he found. Joseph Freeman found the, re- the just looked at the data and found their phase three trial information showed they did see it. And the CDC knew it. And none of them told you that. That's why this is fake, guys. In my opinion, this is not even remotely actually what they're doing. But also, just on a quick sidestep, Dr. Anastasia Maria Lupus points out something, and there's just an endless amount of these examples, whether we talk about smoking in general, you know, five out of six doctors recommend camels or whatever they used to all, in any of these cases. DDT, no flies on me, (laughs) Asian orange, you know, all these things that they pretended were safe and effective, exactly the words they used, and it hurt a lot of people because either they didn't care if it was, or they didn't know and found out later. I mean, either way, we've always sad, and we still do have a right to say no at any time, no matter what they argue. Because your bioethics, the, ra- the bioethics around any of this have always sided with you having a choice. Whatever their argument, as UNESCO has always said, your personal rights always outweigh that of the collective and society, except that's what they went to and said, everybody's going to be di- going to die if you don't do what we say. Despite the fact that that literally challenges universal rights, they don't care. They never have. As she points out, they also said thalidolamine, thalidolamine, or thalidomide, thalidomide. Interesting. Let me look that up. It's funny. I thought it was thalidomide. For some reason, I thought it was what I said first, and then I'm realizing that it doesn't actually say, it doesn't actually say that. Let's, uh, let's look at the definition part of it. Usually, they have a pronunciation part of the page. There it is. Thalidomide. Ah, thalidomide. Thalidomide. Okay. Thalidomide. They also said thalidomide was safe and effective. And that's, that's image is what we're talking about here, guys. This is, these are, there's so many examples of this. Now, yes, this was a while ago, but it should ring true with where we are right now. Thalidomide. What is thalidomide? Well, it's a sedative, sedative drug discovered at the end of the fifties, which caused a worldwide tragedy. The drug has been prescribed to many of pregnant women in order to relieve pregnancy nausea, right? Something that's not life-threatening. It was later found that thalidomide caused irreversible damages to the fetus, and thousands of children were born with severe congenital malformations. Many of them did not survive more than a few days after they were born. Now, here's the kicker, guys. This wasn't found out until way after the fact, right? Year, th- this People were damaged by this. And it took an effort to make this become the reality. Not to take too long on this, just realize that even on the Wikipedia page, they initially deemed it safe in pregnancy. Just have to realize. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to take this as they did it on purpose, but realize that there is an obvious precedent a thousand times over for hearing them say it's safe and it turns out not to be. Whether that's mal- whether that's intentional or not today or going forward or ever. They've never had the right to be like, you have to do this. Because as they say themselves, there's always a risk, which means there's always a choice, no matter what they try to rationalize. Let's not forget, by the way, in many other examples as well, despite their completely the bleeding about how this is fake news. Here's Albert Borla, you know, the CEO of, of Pfizer and chairman. 
on the record saying our COVID-19 vaccine was 100% effective in preventing COVID-19. Well, first of all, we know that's actually not at all true, seeing as how it does not prevent infection, but it's 100% in any case. None of that's true. Here they are saying it. That's still up on Twitter. Apparently that kind of fake news is totally acceptable. Well, here is another example, a great, a very alarming clip coming from uh, Texas Lindsay Post. This, by the way, I have an interview with her tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Just connecting on a lot of different things. Some interesting, weird suppression she's been seeing on her Twitter account, as well as just she's doing a great job around COVID-19 and a lot of important things. So we'll be touching base tomorrow. But she shares this clip from the high wire. Now, I just at least want to play you the beginning of it. Now, this is one of the doctors that was, uh, in my mind, unfortunately, on the Died Suddenly documentary, because what he was saying on there was accurate. But it gets dismissed by a lot of people because a lot of the inaccurate things that were shown on the documentary, including clips of clots that were actually from pre-COVID, despite them talking about on press, you know, all these things, all, most of what's discussed in the documentary is actually accurate, but it gives people possibly intentionally the reason to dismiss it. And I want us to remember that same kind of thing we've always talked about. The same makers of the snake venom documentary that was clearly not true. So let's be very, very cautious about that. Now, this guy was one of the ones that got attacked because he said that babies were having heart attacks in the womb. You know what? That was very true. And it is true. Provably so. There's peer-reviewed science around it. But of course, it gets dismissed now because he was on died suddenly. That's how this works, whether it was intentional or not. Now, not that aside, here is the nurse who was, she's a whistleblower, who was censored because she spoke out about the children and infants and, and uh, uh, I always blank on the term, you know, unborn babies dying and being born dead because of all this. And she spoke out the fact that nobody wanted you guys to hear this. This is what's really going on around the pregnancy conversation. As we get into this about previous discussions about safe and pregnancy, they're right now telling you these things are safe and effective for pregnant women, despite that being verifiably unknown, according to their own documentation. And I would simply argue on top of that, verifiably safe, unsafe for everybody based on the peer-reviewed science. Postpartum nurse. So I take care of babies when they're about two hours old, they come to my floor and I help um, assist them, make sure everything is progressing well so that they can go home with their mothers. And um, I've worked there for two years. You know, during COVID, before the vaccines, um, moms were delivering their babies and the babies seemed pretty healthy in general and the moms also, and then, um, you know, they'd go home. So in March of 2021, it was about two months after the vaccines really started to roll out, um, I noticed that in the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, where they have the babies that may have some health issues, you know, on any day, um, it used to always have about 50 babies in there. Um, and all of a sudden in March, 2021, there were 80 babies in the NICU. Man. So that's a very high number for the NICU. Um, and no, just right there, obvious correlation. Right. Doesn't prove that it's because of the injections, but the correlation is undeniable. Now, here's the problem we keep seeing in, like, for instance, the collapsing athletes conversation. Nobody cares to prove why it seems to be happening as long as they can go. It's not the injection. That's all that seems to matter to these people. That's incredible to me. Like, for instance, Scotland, who turned down the investigation of this exact problem because they said, well, we already did studies in the beginning and all this would do is would cause vaccine hesitancy. So we don't care. They literally said we're not going to investigate this shocking rise in neonatal deaths because vaccines. OK, so you don't care why it's happening then as long as you don't as long as it doesn't scare people away from the COVID. What if that's causing it? Clearly, it is to some degree based on a thousand different points. But this is so obscene 
that we just that they continue to sidestep these conversations because they just are in a death stance of defending the injection. Everything under the sun right now is only seen through a lens of COVID-19. I just don't know how that even makes sense to people that can realize that this is happening. Neonatal deaths are happening. Infants are dying. Athletes are collapsing at wildly unprecedented rates. Excess death is through the roof. But nah, it's got to be something else, right? It's got to be, even though it's completely inconsistent across all the countries that went through similar things and wildly consistent with the increase with the level of vaccination administered. But no, we don't look at those things. Let's just all pretend like it must have been, you know, hospital lockdowns, even though we see un I could go off forever. It kills me that they they know somewhere in their minds that they're hiding this. Some people do at the very least. They must. And then um, in April of 2021, I started noticing that there were fetal demises on the board in labor and delivery. A fetal demise is a baby that passed away in utero, but they're usually full term. So, you know, anywhere from 32 weeks to 40 weeks even is considered full term. Um, well, 37 weeks or above is considered full term, but these babies were, you know, 32, 33 weeks, and then they'd have a fetal demise. And um, I would look on their charts, and I was noticing that a lot of these mothers had received the vaccine. A lot of times they had received it like one week before, and then they went into labor and they delivered a baby mm. that either passed away already God. or they had to go to NICU because they were too early to survive outside the womb without help. Like how much wow. um, extra work we're doing helping these mothers. And I'm not complaining about doing the extra work, but I'm blown away because this is not natural. This shouldn't be happening. Right. And so um, that's the point. I was and all they can do is try to pretend like they're trying to unjustifiably blame it on the injection. Clearly you can hear her. She's going, it, it, we know, it has to be considered as a possible culprit. And all they want to do is shout down the vaccine conversation. Clearly there's a problem. And you and you've the, the clips we played before this one in the past, I think it was like a couple weeks ago or more than that, where she said that inside the internal hospital conversation, the argument was just to keep it quiet. How is that even possible? So so no longer does it matter to point out that children are dying at unprecedented rates as long as we can hide and keep people taking the injection. Like that's the kind of brainwashing that's been happening or rather just the revelation we have about what these people truly are in some ways, in some cases. Clearly, there are some people like her. I'm hoping it's the majority like her and they're just being too, they're too afraid to speak up. Getting really frustrated with work. Let me just ask you a question so I fully understand what you're suggesting. The NICU's exploding. is is nearly double the amount of babies that are going in there. You're seeing what appears to be sort of a, a rise in field demise. And, and when and you when looked at deliver. the charts, you're seeing that many of these that are having an early birth uh, earlier than usual had just recently, many of them, gotten the COVID vaccine. Yes, that's correct. Um, when I started working there in November 2020, there used to be one or two every two or three months. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. All and right. then since March of 2021, April 2021, I started to notice more and more that when I would check the labor and delivery board, there were one or two um each week or so. Wow. Well, think about the increase, how much that is. That's an obscene increase. Now, also remember that this wasn't, the increase was not seen in 2020. Not, not the statistical increase we've seen here. Wildly significant. 
So how do you explain that when all they want to do is pretend that COVID probably did it without knowing it? They just want to point in some other direction. If if that's the case, then it would have seen in 2020 would spiked alongside the increase with the injections. Wow. So that's a pretty big increase. Today, she has bravely released to us uh, an internal document, an email from that hospital system that was sent out to those working there. I'm going to share this with you now, that this is not her opinion now any longer. This is the perspective of the hospital itself, and she feels it's necessary for people to see this. So we're going to bring up this email right now. This went out to the staff. Good evening, everyone. Well, it seems as though the increase of demise patients that we are seeing is going to continue. Hmm. There were 22 demises in August, which ties the record number of demises in July 2021. And so far in September, there have been seven, and it's only the eighth day of the month. Now these statistics include redacted, so you haven't seen all of them. And some have also gone through the EDs and ORs, but there have still been so many in our department. It's a lot of work for you as the bedside RNs, and it's also a lot of work for me. It's strange that's redacted, isn't it? So that means that Highwire redacted that. I must, I would think that that middle part and the statistics include what? That's an interesting redaction right there. So it couldn't be somebody's name, right? Which is usually what the, or something personal. That's interesting. I'm not saying I know what that means. I just find that strange. What is being redacted right there? What else does that include? My have taken a lot of my time away from the other groups of patients that I serve. So I hope this trend doesn't continue indefinitely. Know of a few more that are scheduled to deliver in the week ahead. So, unfortunately, the process is going to be very familiar with all of you. Once Uh. again, I do so appreciate the time and attention that you give to the patients. When I follow up with them, they remember your names and the way you help them get through a very difficult time. I have to say, I feel like the, the oxygen has just been sucked out of my lungs. To read... To read that from someone that is is as objective, I guess, as you could get, working for the system itself, it now corroborates what you're seeing with your own eyes. And for anyone that was having a question anywhere around the world now, this is a shocking, shocking email. Where you- uh, you, uh, the clip's included if you guys want to watch it. I'm going to leave it there. But the point is, in general, that, you know, she made this point in this in this interview is that ultimately, why is there no discussion about why? So this is a shocking, like, I mean, talk about statistically significant. I mean, this is an alarming increase. And there's not even a conversation about why, about what to do. Should we call somebody? It's just like, yes, keep talking to parents. They thank you for it. So what, what is, why doesn't anybody care? This is a hospital. Shouldn't that be the primary objective to be like, why are, why are so many babies dying here? That, and a sharp increase from the year before. Are other hospitals seeing the same thing? Should we check? Are we doing something? None of that. That's what she points out. How do you make sense of that other than they somehow secretly know it's the injection and their objective is to not make that clear? I don't, I don't know. It's my thought. But my God, this is the kind of stuff we're, we've seen nonstop through this process. Now here, guys, is the worst part of this. This is what we keep seeing. And I've made this clear for a long time. I still shockingly don't see very many people making this point, even though this is the easiest one to make. This is Walgreens blatantly as of uh, this is October 7th, but the point is they're as of today, they're still saying this getting a COVID-19 booster while pregnant is not only smart or smart, but safe. 
at, at October 7th, this was the same document, said the same thing. It said this since the beginning. So as of right now, it still says that. The point is Walgreens right now is still promoting this. Go get it. It's safe and effective. Didn't you hear? If you're pregnant like me and worried about getting your COVID-19 booster, I totally get it. But here's what you should know. The booster is not a live vaccine, so it can't give you or your baby COVID. And that's the only thing they they think about. Because their argument is, well, we know why pregnant women are afraid of vaccines. Because the live thing hurt the baby. Is that the only reason? Well, no. Obviously, these pregnant women, many of them are well-informed and are very aware of the other risks we're seeing. But according to this person, this is why they use people like this. You know, I don't know. We don't, I don't know who she is. She seems like a nice enough person. She probably doesn't even realize that she's being used because she probably buys the BS. The reality being is we don't, one, know that it's safe for sure. They do not know that. And she's saying that because she was told to. On top of that, there's plenty of other reasons. The argument, I mean, what about the fact that the lipid nanoparticles in a general sense are not for human use? What about the fact that the mRNA has been shown to be circulating throughout the body and pass to the baby, to the breast milk and through placenta, through everything we've talked about? Peer-reviewed science have shown this. And the fact that we know the spike protein itself has caused literal neonatal heart children inside the womb having heart attacks or babies afterward having heart attacks. It's all been documented. Now, I'm not saying it's every time. I'm saying that period science has proven that this can happen. And here we are where they're going, just do it, though, because it's not live. That's the only this is, again, towing the 2020 narrative. It's like saying a stays in your shoulder muscle. Don't worry. Which, by the way, the Red Cross still argues is the case. Think about how ridiculous that is. If you're pregnant and you do get COVID, you're more likely to have a severe case compared to someone who's not pregnant. Oh, okay. So the only thing we're worried about is the risk of getting COVID and whether that's severe. You see how they just play this game? What about all the side effects? How about the fact that the risk of getting COVID, first of all, is very, very, very low. And then the risk of actually getting severely sick is what we just showed you dramatically lower than the flu. Okay, so then why would we give them something that increases the risk of myocarditis by one in 555 or increases the risk of serious adverse event by one in 800 or increases their general risk of infection or increases the risk of 17 pages of side effects? Think about how crazy this is. So as long as they can say, well, COVID's worse or not live, they're still towing the 2020 line. I just don't even know how it's possible. The booster can help lower this risk. Nope. When you get the your booster itself is the one that's being right now told to you by even Time Magazine. Now nah, experts say it's not working. It's actually not even applied. Pre- they're, they're saying everything we've already been telling you. And we'll get to it. Not the right variant, not the right antibodies, assuming it's even what we're talking about. All the things, but she's here towing the line because that's what she was told. Booster, your body makes antibodies and that helps protect you and your baby. Ready See, to schedule just, your appointment? This is just a dumbed down, you know, vaccines make antibodies and you're safe. Come in today. That's all. Yeah, that's for the lowest common denominator. They are literally manipulating pregnant women to come in and get this dangerous injection. It really does give you a, a, a physical reaction. And, oh, well, actually, that's, oh, did I, pff, that's weird. Oh, that's right. I forgot I did it right here. So I, I posted it twice down here, in fact. <clears throat> so here is what I said beneath this. Care to explain, and you guys know this stuff, though, why then the, both the FDA and community documentation clearly states that they do not know if it's safe? Doesn't that seem a lot irresponsible to you? Somebody responded. Let's see what they say. They're Walgreens' responsibilities to their big pharma daddy. See, people know. People know. Even people that are normal, like, it's, it's everywhere. The documentation is very clear. Links are right there. As we just showed you, the safety profile is not fully known in pregnant women, yet they're saying they do, though. How is that possible? No data, no data are available regarding the safety. And this is bivalent as well. 
you can see that this is as of August 2022. Now it's been revised since then in November. It says the same thing. Same thing. They're both right there. You can look at it for yourself. And I also followed up with my other older account, <clears throat> which shows you and even, even still shows how the CDC has been saying since this is at least August, safe for pregnant people. <laughs> how is that possible? How can the CDC state safe for pregnant people when it literally says that we don't know if it's safe? I mean, it's as simple as it gets because they're lying to you because the CDC is involved. I mean, my God, it's as simple as it gets. I don't know how anybody could not see how ridiculously obvious that is. So here is one of the things I want to point out, which I could have put this a lot of different places throughout the show. This is a really, really, really difficult video to watch. So I caution you. You're sensitive to any kind of, which I, I, ter I term this medical rape. Just understand. We've had a lot of conversations about medical kidnapping in the past under the guise of things just like this, where the state would steal your children and say that they did it because they have to get them chemotherapy or get them injections they need, which, by the way, there is an endless amount of examples, despite those things being dangerous and hurting many of them. The point is that it's been there. Now, here is a conversation about, you know, kids, not necessarily ch young children, as we're talking about in baby sense, but realize how important this is in the larger conversation. Now, I made a very important point here about consent. Which, of course, to my larger point earlier, gets completely missed by the people who can only see things right now through a COVID lens. I find this to be as, as easy to understand as anything I've ever said on, it, on Twitter. And I'll play the video next. So apparently, kids can consent. And we all know what the quote means, right? I'm, I, I don't agree with that. Can consent to the COVID jab against their parents' wishes in many cases. And I said, apparently. So we are told, again, it's pretty clear that I'm not saying I agree with that, yet not able to say no to them. Now, we know that's already happened. Kids are being told, yeah, you can, I'm not every place in the world, I didn't say that, but right now in the U.S. particularly, but a lot of places around the world, that's actually a far worse in a lot of places outside the United States where they're saying children can just say what they want. Now, of course, obviously the overlap here is that, you know, here's four-year-olds can decide their gender and have gender reassignment surgery without their parents' consent, because that makes sense, right? We'll get to that in a second. But the point is, we're being told they can consent to these jabs, yet not able to be to say no when it's in reverse? How does that make sense? Do they get to ch pick and choose which one? So they argue, we're able to tell when these kids are smart enough. Well, no, that's just a sidestep. Either they're mentally capable of making decisions like this or being able to drive or smoke cigarettes or join the military, which same point, or they're not. It's as simple as that. So if you say that they're able to consent to COVID jabs, well, that means they can say no to them. That also means, by the way, logically speaking, if you're being consistent, they can say yes and no to other jabs, right? I mean, that's basic. Okay, so if they're able to consent, they can remove that consent. If they're able to consent to one jab, why would it only apply to COVID jabs? You see, I'm, I'm making people think for themselves here because when you walk through this, you realize the point I'm making. That they don't apply that logic. That they only, they do, I'm trying to bait someone into saying that it does make sense to only allow kids to choose it for the COVID jab because there's no way that makes sense. The only argument you can try to make is that, well, because pandemic, but that's ridiculous. Consent does not shift because pandemic. That's what they want. This is what they want you to think though. So how exactly does this work? If they're able to consent, they're able to remove that consent. In any case, you don't get to pick and choose. This is medical rape. Now, to be clear, of course I listened to this, and of course I asked somebody who speaks Spanish what it actually said. She is afraid of needles. It's irrelevant to the point, because the point is about consent. And it's not about the COVID jab. It's the point that they made about the COVID jab, which then is obviously applicable to any injection.
You get my drift? So the point is, just because she's afraid of needles does not then make it different. She, if is able to consent to any jab, can also remove that consent. Her reasoning is her own, whether it's because she thinks it's dangerous or because she's afraid of needles. And my point is not that I necessarily agree that a child should be able to make that choice. There's a conversation. I'm not saying I do either. There's a conversation to be had there. The point is that their argument is that they're able to make that choice for COVID jabs. So it applies across the board. All I'm doing is highlighting how inconsistent their logic is. So let's watch this and I'll make a couple points about this. And trust me, guys, this is a hard. I don't even want to watch this again, just to make that clear. This is a hard video to watch. God, that's hard to watch. So, point again. As you can hear the mom in the background, guys, you know, saying do it for mom, right? I mean, the point is that this is, I don't even know how you can perceive this as something for, the point is that she is clearly aware that she doesn't want this. So you can have a conversation about consent, but you can't play the game and pretend that it only applies to one shot or only certain parts of life. You need to make an argument about why children have a certain barrier mentally speaking, where they're not typically able to make a rational choice about what they want to do when they grow up, about whether they want to change their gender, whether they want to smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, drive a car, join the military. You can't just pick and choose which ones apply at different levels here, guys. They're doing that, by the way, trying to lower the voting age of 16 and drive this and labor that. It it shouldn't be inconsistent because it's all based on the same concept, whether children are mentally capable of making these choices. So they've already clearly pushed well outside the United States that they should be able to consent for COVID because we all know how it's the right thing to do. So the same point. Then they obviously have the right to say no to that. And every other shot. You can't just pull one. So her reasoning is her own. So if she's afraid of needles, that's her choice. And she can she can say, no, I removed that consent. It just really upsets me. Now, here's the other point. As this is this is the telegraph, guys. This is not a new post. But this is the tell. This is the kind of thing we're battling right now. While they're pretending it's an, it's irresponsible for me to talk about that in the context as I did, even though it's very clear the point I'm making. Children as young as four, according to the Telegraph, 
will be able to change their name and gender at school without their parents' consent under the new LGBT inclusivity guidelines drawn up by the Scottish government. Fantastic. So we're going to let them make life-altering choices. Now, obviously, we're not talking about surgeries just yet, but if you're talking about this discussion where you're allowing children to make these choices, which you damn well know lead in that next very pushy discussion where they're going, yes, yes, come take these hormones, come get the first step, take these pamphlets. It's very clear how this is being pushed, whether they think they're doing the right thing or not. So this is where you're allowing children to make the first step into a very, very serious conversation, but apparently they're not allowed to decide whether they want this. I mean, it's just, it's obviously inconsistent. Now, if you want to have a a laugh, go through and read these conversations beneath this discussion because the comments are exactly what you might expect. And I I mean, you're you're going to laugh because of how I basically, I didn't just copy and paste. I, I responded to most all of them basically saying the same thing. It doesn't really matter. It should be her choice, especially if we just got being done told it. Kids can make the call for COVID jab. Even though that's absurd, by that logic, they should be able to decline any jab. Same general point, no matter what. And there's just a lot of people who couldn't wrap their mind around the point I was trying to make. Well, I get it. People are being manipulated right now. Now, here's just one of the points I made that I thought was important. And this is the kind of thing we got. So if a seven-year-old that's afraid of needles is dying of encephalitis, but a shot of whatever the, the drug they're talking about will, will cure her, assuming we trust Big Pharma, that are said seven-year-olds should have the final say in her health care. Jeez, you see what I mean? Like, God, Twitter is just, it's just an assuming dumpster fire. It's everything, everywhere. So what you're saying is, no, no, bud, I didn't say that. I didn't say it at all. I said, where did you misunderstand this? As I, I said, the government claims kids can consent. Therefore, by their logic, kids should be able to remove that consent. Where did I say I think what you just said? I'm exposing the flaw in their broken logic. Kids cannot consent. Their parents can for all topic. The point is that I don't know why this point got lost on people, but the idea is not that children that young should be. I mean, at the end of the day, it's their argument. This is what we're talking about when we say arguing from within their narrative, guys, which, by the way, some people just can't wrap their mind around on top of that. Like I'm some, like I'm somehow arguing for their narrative while I'm like literally destroying it from within. It's hilarious what people think they're finding. But at the end of the day, This is unjustified. It's horrifying. And here's another, even more so, just unnerving example. And this was shared by the real Andy Lee show. Werner, I believe is how you pronounce the name, was presumed, which means he didn't know, to have COVID-19. Had her mask down. And I'll show you the video. And this is this is hard to watch as well. Not graphic, but might as well be. Video shows guards, which by the way, guards guards it's a hospital she wasn't a criminal it just shows you where we where we've gone guys confronting her less than three minutes later after whatever took place and as even the article points out they intentionally moved the camera away while this went down that's on the record she's wheeled away unconscious never to wake up she died and the worst part about this is what they just discussed in this article that they've just decided that nothing's going to happen. No one gets to see the video. There's not going to be another case. The, the the jury doesn't get just over. And the worst part is this is what was happening in the peak of all this. This was, I believe, in 2020, right? Where nothing was happening because COVID, everyone's scared of COVID. People were robbing, stealing, breaking rules, everybody, especially the government, especially places like that. They didn't care. We saw, we saw entire court cases that got shut down because, well, COVID. It's just like this. And now finally... They come back around and they say, well, okay, now what? We have a video showing that she basically got murdered. And the judge, nah, we're not going to, we're done. Here's the video. 
There's a video from the CBS, CBC News of her being restrained for not wearing her mask. Afterwards, her lifeless body is wheeled away. A coroner's report stated that she died from a brain injury resulting from a lack of oxygen due to restraint, asphyxia, following struggle and exertion. I mean, make sense of this for me. The coroner's report finds that she was murdered. Or at the very least, manslaughter. Because of exactly what happened. And nothing's going to be done about this? I'm going to read you the article next. As I said, this is simply horrifying and it reveals the true nature of this entire manipulation. The choice to move the camera, the decision to not bring this to a jury, it's all too familiar to those who've been paying attention during this wholesale attack on our society. This is horrifying stuff. My God. It's scary. It's very scary that these people are not being held accountable because COVID. Also, take note of the insulting reality of the wall posting. 2020. Year year of the nurse. Fantastic. So it goes from her getting up with her mask pulled down as the nurse is telling her, put the mask up, but this is what we're discussing that they're talking about. She stands up and they push her against the wall. Why is that even, how is that even possibly appropriate? You're not a criminal. They don't have right to lay hands on you like this. The point is they were given such unfettered power. These people lost themselves and apparently were so afraid for their own safety, which wasn't even at risk, that they basically suffocated this woman to death. I don't even know how we can, okay, I just, this, this upsets me. Very much so. So let's look at the article. Here's what it says. This is not this is not some kind of this is mainstream corporate media. Guards were just cleared in the hospital death of Stephanie Warner. Here's the footage that no jury will ever see. How do you make sense of that? How can we make that determination when we haven't even seen this brought to court? Says surprise judge move by the judge means the trial won't happen. Danielle Stephanie Warner sits alone in a Toronto hospital lobby wearing little more than a pale blue medical gown. Moments later, she's wheeled away by guards. Her slight frame slumped in a wheelchair, her legs dangling from the edge. Well, that's weird. What a blatant miss. God, I hate corporate media. Was she in a wheelchair? Pretty sure. Well, oh, you know what? No, that, that's not a wheel. I don't think that was a wheelchair. Looks like more of a stretcher to me. Anyway, the point is, her legs dangling. It looks like they were twitching to me. What happens in between isn't captured on video. Instead, a security camera was purposely turned away by guards as they were, guards approached her, pushing her against a wall and restrained her on the ground before she lost consciousness. There's no way you can't. This is they did this to her. There's not some secret other story here. So their uh, their willingness to confront her with no legal reason to do so is why she died. But the weird thing that they moved the kid, what were they were they suffocating her with their hands? How is this even possible? 
The scenes are part of the evidence that would have been heard at a trial of the guards charged in this case had they not turned it down. Now it won't happen. In a surprise move by the Ontario judge on November 22nd, the new case, the case against the guards has been quashed and the trial that was supposed to begin this May struck from the docket. This happened in 2020. It's 2023. And it only just now gets brought in front of them and they shut it down. Do you know how many times, there's an example of this happening, by the way, and I forget what place this was, where the, the police pulled up on this person's house. They shot the person through the window while they were sleeping. And they never even investigated COVID. COVID, it all got shut down. They wouldn't even let a protest. This is being used right now, and it's disgusting. It's scary. Their family waited for their day in court. Instead, they said they're left blindsided by this. It says, my first reaction was shock, horror. There's been no accountability, and there's a gaping hole in my heart. This is her sister. She was a very thin woman who was clearly unwell, sitting, dealing with respiratory distress, and they wrangled her to death. There, there was no lawful reason for them to have ever put hands on her. There should be a trial. Amanda Rosa Silva, 42, and Shane Hutley, 35, had been charged with manslaughter and criminal negligence. Charges they denied, of course, saying that they used only the force necessary to gain a hold of her. How is that not an admission? Who cares? So, so you needed to gain control of her? This is a patient in a hospital. It shows you how far we've lost ourselves in all of this. They, do no, they no longer feel their job is to keep you safe or to keep you healthy. Their job is to, I guess, maintain pandemic controls, even at the, at the, at the expense of your life, if you're daring to breathe on them. Now those charges have been dropped after the judge concluded there wasn't enough evidence to take the case to trial, you know, because they moved the camera. So I guess that's all you got to do now. Just publicly cover up your crimes. They go, well, oh, well, we didn't see what happened. So no case there. This is Epstein all over. He's going to move the camera. Oops, the cameras weren't working. What do you know? God, despite the available footage and two security staff who testified, the accused placed weight on her upper body while she was held chest down. A forensic pathologist who testified would still be alive had she not been restrained. Exactly. They even admit that. In Revelations, one of the guards admitted he falsely claimed she threw the first punch. So now we've got on the record that he lied about what happened to cover up what happened. They moved the camera. This is a willful cover-up. And on the record, the pathologist says, well, she would have died if you would have done this after you lied about it. Nothing. You, you, we can't, how do we not see where we are right now? This is top to bottom. Not, likely not everybody, but we're talking judges. We're talking media. My God, until now, much of the evidence in, in the death has been covered by a publication ban. With that case quashed, CBC News can now report the details. It just makes me sick. I'm going to leave it there. Unbelievable. Now, let's talk about some of the information that's coming out, despite the fact that they're still acting like it's safe and effective. Thank you for Let's Talk. Zora Ranch points out profound, profound immune escape. With these injections that are safe and effective and 100% working, as what with XBB1. You know, exactly like we've talked about. That's assuming we're even talking about real things here, guys, because we have to understand that this whole thing has never been. We have to remember that going back to the beginning of Moderna, on the record, they said they got genetic sequence from China. And within weeks, we're already making an injection. And of course, on the record, China's admitted that they did not isolate this at the time that they gave that to them. That's important to understand, despite the fact that if you want to argue that they've later isolated this, which I dispute for a lot of reasons, I've talked about it many times. You need to explain how it makes sense that China 
can admit not isolating this when they sent that genetic sequence, which means they never needed that, which means they've always been using the platform version of this like they pretended the bivalent was from the very beginning. It's irrelevant whether they had it isolated because they used genetic code, made the injection and never looked back. Same thing they're doing now. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. There's the Chinese CDC speaking with MSNBC saying we didn't isolate the virus. Now, you could argue it afterwards. I disagree. But that's the case right there. They didn't. They sent the genetic sequence, which, by the way, Trump's administration was all too happy to start using, even though bad guy China, right? We're going to use their code. And the rest is history. It's the same thing they're still putting in it. Even the bivalent still uses that original sequence. So if you think it's some kind of bioweapon, which is certainly possible, which, by the way, don't forget, we were one of the first entities in this conversation to begin dissecting whether that was the case, which is still wildly possible, if not one of the most likely culprits here. Then why would we trust what they sent? The point being, now we're at a point where these things continuing all these claims of variants and so on. The point is, even if that is the case, this is what we call arguing from within their narrative, despite what I just said, clearly putting doubt on that. The point being that if this is circulating, we knew when this was going to happen, according to plenty of experts, that by the time they rolled this new thing out, it wouldn't even be appropriate timing. And yet they forced it on everybody anyway. So realize how obvious this has been, even, I mean, why they would, I don't know, you can go off with so many hypotheticals there. The bottom line is, after four doses, because it has a are baffled, just baffled, of course, profound immune escape, meaning it's not working, guys. In recent correspondence published in the Lancet Infectious Disease Journal, the Lancet, Researchers in Germany assessed the neutralization sensitivity of the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, XBB.1 lineage. Co-infection with different SARS-CoV-2 lineages can lead to the recombination of the distinct viral genomes and creation of new recombinant SARS. Yeah, or, you know, the injections causing variants, which is, by the way, exactly what's actually happening. Either way, the reality is that people who have four doses, it's not doing anything for them. And it's in, they're increasingly likely to catch this. You can read the study for yourself. By the way, all of the rest of this is what we've continued to find. Oh, and by the way, it's always been the reality, despite the fact that they tried to play this game, that any time we give mass vaccination rollouts, it will, as these experts make clear all the way back then, put pressure on the virus to mutate. That's always been the logic. That's what people like Gert Band and Bosch and plenty of others were saying this is going to make it worse. And guess what? It made it worse. And they go, oh, no, we had no idea. Yeah, you either did or you didn't care because it's always been the logic. It was Common sense, as they say, even though they said that about things that very much clear, clearly were not like mass work. It's common sense. You know, they, they work in the ways they're supposed to. They're not statistically significant to stop transmission. That's pretty clear. Here's what he said back then about viruses or rather the mutation because of the injections. I may want to add to that. Well, the, the only thing to add is, is the more you vaccinate, the more you put evolutionary pressure on the virus. Exactly. So it's true that as you get up to very high levels of vaccination, that the virus is then struggling to find out what to do. And that eventually will become an issue. And, 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 the, vac and the virus probably will mutate at that point. And that OK, there you, that's all you need. And, and that, that is an expert saying this before the narrative was created to push back so aggressively on the concept. No, 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 it's not because of the classic understanding we've always had. It's because of this new thing and the unvaccinated people, which is the literal opposite of the old logic. It just doesn't matter. They have been creating this and possibly by, you know, intentionally in the, in the sense of, of the. Well, to be quite clear, my opinion is that this thing is by and large the side effects of what they're giving people. And that's why it really began post injection administration. And we start naming everything under the sun, including previous things, regardless of what you think, the experts have been challenging even their own narrative from the beginning. 
And here is another example of this discussion and the corporate discussion now basically showing you what we've been saying, despite this very point being called dangerous medical misinformation like 30 seconds ago. Omicron subvariant XBB15 possibly more likely to infect the vaccinated. Well, that's interesting. Well, why do you think that is? Because people that were naturally infected have natural immunity, which has continued to make natural immunity going to variants of concern as the peer-reviewed science has continued to find, despite them pretending that's not there. This says New York officials, health officials are warning residents that the infectious Omicron subvariant may be more likely to infect people who have already been vaccinated or infected, they say, despite the peer-reviewed science challenging that. Omicron subvariant, that what the point I say that for is because they just love to conflate those two things. Anytime we find that if you've been vaccinated, it's more likely they're going to go, well, that obviously applies to this because they're the same thing. They're not, though. They love to assume in this context and make that seem like science because, well, we know this is this. Well, you don't know that. Natural infection and natural immunity are very different than everything we've talked about. That's been shown. But my point is that the science we're talking about doesn't even get it. It's about the people who are injected and what the injection is doing to these things and their body and why that's more likely. Again, the science is there. It increases your risk, specifically the bivalent. And by the way, the original ones did too. Don't forget the first week, 50% increased risk of a general infection. And then about really right after the first day, but continually increasing down to 30 days or out of the uh, three months, it increases your risk dramatically. 75% increase, I believe I was correct. Uh, here, let me grab it just in case. I don't want to give you the wrong number. It was 76.5. There's the study. Here's the part right there. You have a 76.5% negative efficacy after 90 days. My point is right there, as you can see, Omicron, Pfizer, after one day, it goes to 55.2 relative relative risk reduction, which means it's basically meaningless, guys, because don't forget the relative risk reduction is the very important point that shows you the numbers have always been below this and they just don't, they've always played these games. Pfizer reported that its vaccine shows a 95% efficacy. That sounds like it protects you 95% of the time, right? But that's not actually what that number means. That 95% refers to the relative risk reduction, but it doesn't tell you how much your overall risk is reduced by vaccination. For that, we need absolute risk reduction. In the Pfizer trial, 8 out of 18,198 people who were given the vaccine developed COVID-19. In the unvaccinated placebo group, 162 people got it, which means that even without the vaccine, the risk of contracting COVID-19 was extremely low at 0.88%, which the vaccine then reduced to 0.04%. So the net benefit or the absolute risk reduction that you're being offered with a Pfizer vaccine is 0.84%. That 95% number? That refers to the relative difference between 0.88 and 0.04%. That's what they call... Let's not forget that Borla is over here saying 100% effective. They've always been lying to you guys. It's blatantly obvious at this point. It says Omicron subvariant XBB15 now accounts for 73% of all sequence COVID cases. Now ask yourself how that, how that works. When seeing as how the most current bivalent shot only includes... B5, B4, well, actually, it's only B5. They claim it works for B4 and the Wuhan strain. If any, that's even accurate. The bottom line is you're literally making antibodies that aren't effective and aren't actually the correct thing in this case, in this context. And what have we always said about that? Well, that increases your risk dramatically for antibody-dependent enhancement. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically, with coronaviruses, 
that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Forget that Fauci said this as well. I mean, this is basic logic. So the point is, when you're making antibodies that are incorrect, well, that can be very damaging. And don't forget what they keep telling you. Well, we saw a clinical response. Well, have you proven that there's a correlation between that clinical response and efficacy? No, no, we haven't done that. That was directly on the FDA discussion. I won't play it again. I played it a thousand times. XB15 is the most transmissible form. Note that they never say lethal or dangerous anymore because it's not. Because it's just more transmissible, which, by the way, plenty of experts said in the beginning was how these things always go. They become more transmissible and less dangerous until they peter out and become background noise. But... No fake news. Take the injection that we don't need that's dangerous for you that's not even working. More likely, it says, to infect people who have been vaccinated. The department added that getting vaccinated against the virus, including receiving an updated booster shot, nope, remains the best way to protect against hospitalization and death, including new variant. That makes sense, right? Except that's literally the opposite of the reality. Let's talk about that. Here is the most recent peer-reviewed British Medical Journal outline of the boosters, the exact one they just talked about. Don't forget what they just said. And I also want to point out this is the kind of stuff we get from these leading figures right now in the Twitter sphere. It seems extraordinary. High. This person saying Moderna's 400 price hike for the vaccine. He's Musk is saying this seems extraordinarily high. It's also isn't clear whether all things considered the second booster helps or hurts. Yeah, it is, though, man. Yeah, it really is, though, Musk. I said it. One simply looks at the body of peer-reviewed science around the, quote, boosters alone right now. They're causing more serious adverse events. They're causing an increase in your likelihood to get sick. And that only gets worse if you take more. All of that's peer-reviewed science, guys. But apparently, Elon's going to, you know, all the people try, oh, Elon said, we don't know yet. But we do, though. The science is there. Why aren't we talking about that? And you got, we've talked about this study alone many times. Booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. A net harm. That means they're bad across the board. The point is to stop one hospitalization over a six-month period, they estimate that almost 42,000-plus people need to get three shots. All of those of which come with an increased risk of everything we talked about every time. And they anticipate that all of that, all those 42,836 people getting three shots, anticipate on top of that 18.5 serious adverse events. And, And then a bunch of other things that are lesser than that. All to stop maybe one hospitalization over six months. How do you pretend that's helping anybody? That's dangerous. And of course, here's a few of the ones I could sit. We could do a four hour show showing you all the scientific studies we've discussed over this process. But here are some of the most recent ones. This is from November last year. A rate of adverse reactions for the second booster dose, meaning the fourth shot, was significantly higher among those took the bivalent. 84% versus 51. Right. Just a casual, almost, what what is is that, a 20-something percent increase right here after after Musk is saying, well, we don't know for sure. Well, yeah, we really do, though. The risk is higher. Same with this one here, saying, well, go get the, the updated booster shot because that's the best way to stop. It's not, though. You're having a gigantic increase in the risk of exactly what you're telling them. It's stopping the serious adverse events, which includes hospitalization and death and permanent disability. Here's another one. September 22nd, serious adverse events of special interest. Same point. This is the one, this is the, the study that we referenced. This is Joseph Freeman, the one in the beginning that we talked about. This guy right here. Here's the study he's point. This is his study. Secondary analysis, peer-reviewed study, by the way, Elisevere, Science Direct. Secondary analysis of serious adverse events reporting in the placebo-controlled phase three. So, yes, this applies to the original shot. The point is, it's never been safe for you guys. Never. Pfizer and Moderna, 
Vaccines were associated with an increased risk of serious adverse events of special interest, the bad kinds. And the reality is that this was the study from the beginning that they hid from you and the CDC saw and they lied to you about. The Pfizer trial exhibited a 36% increase, my God, of serious adverse events in the vaccine group compared to those that didn't take it. The risk difference, 18 per 10,000, which is one in 555 or 550. I forget which one it was. We're talking myocarditis, blood clots. This is what they tell you the opposite of right there. Take the updated shot. It remains the best way to hurt you, to increase your risk. No, it's not what it says. This is protect you against the things these things are saying it's causing. Here's another example. April 15th. Immune suppression, of course. mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the spike protein in your bloodstream. It continues to be made is the point. That's why it's worse and worse and worse and worse and compounding. The spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs DNA repair mechanisms. Responses in, it's in, it results in impaired innate immunity. The vaccines themselves are causing an increased risk to just general diseases and cancers. Peer-reviewed science. I guess they just missed that in their extensive due diligence. Here's the overall risk in general. From the Ionitis group, this is age-stratified infection fatality rate of COVID-19 in a non-elderly population, but it also discusses that. Peer-reviewed. I mean, how much peer-reviewed science can they possibly ignore at this point? This is the general point. Now, you get the overall breakdown for each age group right there, but the main point, global level, before vaccination, the chance of you dying after infection was as low as 0.03%. That's for kids. Or actually, I'll, I'll take that back. That was the general for the global level. The kid under 19, 0.0003%. But yeah, let's force it on the infants under six months old, though, right? Because they're in danger? No, they never have been. In fact, one in 800, one in 555 is a hell of a lot higher risk than 0.0003%. Simple. The point is 0.7 for, uh, for zero to 59 and then, uh, oh, 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 that's, excuse me, I'm reading it incorrectly. So, I've, it's funny how they do that when they say respectively. I, you, if you read it without going, in the show, it doesn't matter. 0.03% for 0 to 59. 0.07% for 0 to 69. Under 69%, under 69 years old, guys, we're talking 0.07%. That's less than the flu. So if you're 70 and older, this starts to get dramatically worse, according to data. But I still question whether that was just because they jammed them in nursing homes and, you know, increased that general risk in a lot of different ways. Modazolam, remdesivir, whatever. Overall, guys, the risk is, is it just it's obscenely lower than what they ever told you. You just can't keep making sense of this unless you just blindly follow what you're telling you. But then guess what? My point again, these are the relief valves. They're shoving this out there to go, well, look, see, they're telling you the truth. They're not, though. This is only happening because we have been dragging it through this entire time over and over, relentlessly saying the same things over and over and showing the same studies over and over. And finally, we get them to go, okay, we have to say something, and this is what you get. Now, the point is, again, if you read the whole thing, it's ultimately saying still do them, though. And that's the problem. Data doesn't support new COVID booster shots for most or for all of them. Right. This is the point, says vaccine expert. So just that point alone, you can go back a month. If I said this, you're dangerous. You're killing people, Mr. Hotez would tell you. But now they can say it. How does that possibly make sense? It's just like the same joke from the beginning. It's conspiracy theory. Right. It's the difference between conspiracy theory and conspiracy fact is about six months. These days, about a week. 
just like that. Suddenly, what we were saying is actually, well, there is some level of expertise. Okay, well, then why was it disregarded as ridiculous when we said it? Does that show you that the media and the and the Hotez types are not actually engaging with the information? They are actually checking and fact-checking these things? They're just dismissing them because narrative? Yes, because now suddenly when somebody else who is at the certain level says the same thing and points to the same research, they go, oh, well, now we can point it. Yes, that's how it works suddenly you got a member of parliament going yeah we never stopped transmission well we already knew that guys we knew that in 2020 for some reason they wanted that to get squeaked out and it got oh tucker talked about it and everyone's going breaking news we just found out something that ryan told us in 2020 that forbes wrote about in 2020 that tell zach's admitted to for moderna in 2021 but apparently it's breaking news in 2022 because they want you to see it just like this there's a lot of those masks, for example, Lena Wen and Gottlieb on Fox and CNN, respectively, in less than 24 hours, come out and say, yeah, cloth masks don't work. You knew that if you watched this show, they had no new information. And suddenly now it's all about n 95 Well, those don't work either, guys. They're not statistically significant in stopping transmission. It's the same point. January 11th, in a perspective published January 11th, New England Journal of Medicine vaccine expert Paul Offit who has been challenging this sort of from within for a while, says it's time to rethink booster recommendations. Well, this isn't a new thing, guys. Paul Offit has been saying, he, he stood up and said that he's shocked this even got even got allowed. There's no evidence to back up these boosters. And because that's eight mice discussion, not tested on humans, using B1 data to say it translates to B4, even though we're now talking XBB, because none of that makes any sense. But take it anyway, though. It's all crazy and ridiculous and unscientific. Paul Offit's been saying that from the beginning. So to make this seem like some kind of a new development is interesting. So that's this is a relief valve. It's going, look, we care. We're basically just giving you back what you've been telling us for six months, but it's okay because we see it too. They don't though. This whole thing is about trying to backwardly justify why it should still be done for some people in most cases. And the other ones are still good though. It's just the new one that's bad. They're trying to cover, they're trying to hide what we now see. Bivalent COVID-19 boosters, a, a vaccine, a, a cautionary tale. Paul Offit. I'll read you just one part here, and this is even what they're admitting, guys. Realize this is what they're telling you. Even though we know it's far worse than this, on November 22nd, 2022, the CDC published data on the effectiveness of the BA4, really just BA4 and Wuhan MR vaccines, for preventing systematic infection within two months after receiving the booster dose, which is just disgusting to think two months later, you quick, quick, get the new thing. It's not working. For people who have received a monovalent vaccine two to three months earlier, the extra protection associated with this was 28 to 31%. Right. We're not even talking about all the things that also come along with that. The increased risk of all these different problems, the increased risk of infection in general, the dysregulation of your immune system. No, all we're talking about is the general efficacy, 28 to 31%. Cause that makes sense. Remember the hundred percent effective. Remember the stop you from getting sick, take this thing and no one else will get sick. Here's what we're down to now. 28%, but do it though. For those who had received a monovalent vaccine more than eight months earlier, well, that protection rose all the way up to 43 to 56%. So basically a coin flip. Sounds good. Not at all. Especially when you have a 1 in 55, 555 increase in potential serious adverse events. 1 in 800, I mean, coming from the CDC data from the very beginning, it's never been safe for you. It's never been effective. Given the results of previous studies, it's likely that this moderate increase in protection against probably generally mild disease will be short-lived. So even those ridiculous numbers, which shouldn't get you to take something that's obviously dangerous, probably won't even last. As of November 15th, only about 10% of the population has got who have been open to it have, been, have not got who only 10% have gotten the bivalent, which I keep telling you. Even the people that are supposed to be, quote, on their side aren't 
buying it anymore. On December twenty second, uh, December 2022, the BA4 strain was no longer circulating. And you know what? At, in December, in this month itself, we're still getting shouted down for being dangerous medical misinformation for telling people that exact point. You're making antibodies, if that's even what's happening, to the thing that's no longer there. You are going to hurt yourself based on basic understanding of this stuff coming from experts. But nope, doesn't matter. And of course, it's been replaced by this thing, even though we're past that now. Now we're talking BB, XBB 0.1.5. It's just ridiculous. They are creating this. It's a never-ending cycle. And here is, heartbreakingly, what it's causing. And this is just a pluck, just a small example of how many we could have included today, guys. I mean, it's never-ending. Keep up with these sites that are doing it as a daily thing. Good science and just continually cataloging. Of course, they scoop in a lot of extra stuff too. Other things. I'm more focused specifically right now on the collapsing, cardiac arrest, mostly athlete overlap, but just general children, adults who are just collapsing. Live TV and so on, right? Now you can talk stroke and different things, but there's a lot of other things you could include in that just to be objective, which is what they're doing. But here are some of the sad things just over the last week. 16-year-old student. Las Vegas school dies after medical emergency during fly football. I am not suggesting that I know for sure that every single one of these are because of the injection or that any of them are, but I'm telling you, we know as a matter of fact that it could be, and it should be the primary question based on the fact that we're talking about a thing they're admitting is a dramatic possible cause for this thing to happen, especially when we're talking about young, healthy adults or athletes. These are the last possible people that would be susceptible to this. Certainly possible though. But how often we saw before this is the point, and it was nowhere to be seen. And yes, it would increase our awareness. That's also something to consider. But the numbers are clear, and that's the point I've made from the beginning. Using their science before this and during, the number of just athletes collapsing in just these certain areas are so far, so far, obscenely above the numbers we've ever seen before in any given year. And all they can do is go, it's not the injection. Okay, fine. Then what is it? What's killing these people? That's a genuine question. All I want to do is find out why these kids are dying from heart attacks before we just jump to the conclusion that it can't be the injection and then just put it down. Air Force football player, Hunter Brown, dead, 21, January 10th. Cheer coach uses CPR and a defibrillator to save student athlete who went into sudden cardiac arrest, January 11th. Now, here's the thing you're going to continually see with all of this. Thank God we had the defibrillator. Well, I agree with that. But ask yourselves why it's normal and to suddenly see defibrillators being in schools in the middle of an increased, like this wasn't there before, right? We didn't see this during 2020. We've seen this post-vaccination administration. So sure, it could be other things. The point is that this rapid rollout of exactly the thing they need to stop this from being seen in the middle of what they say is the biggest pandemic in the century doesn't make any sense. It just does not add up. There was a massive rollout of this advertising, as well as a gigantic campaign to blame anything ever possible for the increase in heart attacks. Now, yes, this was one of the highest problems in this country before all this, but it does not change the numbers, the statistically gigantically relevant increase in people collapsing compared to previously. It shows you this is not just some increased relevance or awareness. Amanda Boak, B, uh, Bob Keen, Bob Seen, who is also an emergency room nurse and mother, jumped to action with CPR and a defibrillator. A lot, it says a lot of what's, to, if, oh, excuse me, a lot of what ifs came to mind. What if our school didn't have a defibrillator? What if? 
yeah, I mean, she might have died. That's sad. I'm not saying it's not a good thing that it was there, but what I want us to realize is how alarming it is this is being normalized. We already have had multiple saves this year. That's not normal. A bunch of healthy kids having heart attacks during school. Yeah, we've heard that before, right? The student heart check program, again, these are all new things, guys. Certified schools as Michigan heart safe schools. These schools have teams in place to handle cardiac arrest, as well as defibrillators available. Defibrillators are not required by law to be in schools. These are AEDs. So why are they all doing it all of a sudden? It is new. Now, I'm not specifically saying that the student heart check program is new because COVID. But what I'm telling you is this wild, overrepresented focus on gen- the thing that should be very not pre- shouldn't be prevalent in children is obviously representing a lot right now. It's overrepresented. Quote, we are going to be giving additional defibrillators and donating them to the school. So we need more than one now? Bob Seen said she is committed to making sure other schools are ready to handle cardiac emergencies. Right, because it's totally normal for children to have card attacks. I just can't believe how obvious this is. Now, here is a very important study. This is January 2023. Right, so as they're all out there screaming, this is because COVID or because it's always been there or whatever else they want to say, again, we fall back to the peer-reviewed science, the very thing they claim we don't care about because we're anti-science conspiracy theorists, right? There's only one side of this argument that's not engaging with the peer-reviewed science. Changes of ECG parameters after the, the Pfizer injection in senior high school students. What an interesting focus. The purpose of this study is to determine if the ECG parameter change and the efficiency of ECG screening, so for like of cardiac for cardiac adverse effect, effect after the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine in young population. Obviously, there's interest in this. That's why they're focusing on this. We performed a, 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 an ECG screening study during the second dose of Pfizer's injections. This is the crux of the point here, guys. In total, 763 students out of 4,928, which represents 17.1%, had, a le- had at least one cardiac symptom after the second vaccine dose. Now, let's be clear about this. That includes things that are considered mild, palpitations and so on, right? But you realize we're talking about an injection that's not supposed to have any of this effect that is having a direct and immediate effect on your heart. I don't know why we pretend, oh, well, it's just, it's just a small heart effect. That's not okay. And all of that is even rationalized by the idea that it is okay because COVID is so dangerous. We're past that. You can't keep pretending that these quasi-defined things are okay because, you know, benefits outweigh the risks. We're past that now. The emergency shouldn't even be in place anymore. It never should have been. All that aside, we're at a point where you are, we are proving with the science that this was never what they said it was, the risk in everything. So now we're at a point we can factor that in and look at the data and say, okay, even heart palpitations shouldn't be okay, especially since we know that this is not that dangerous, in particular to kids, right? We're talking about high school seniors. They're in the group of 0.0003% death rate. They're not in danger here, guys. And we're giving 17% of them heart problems in mild or serious form, and you'll see some of them are. Abnormal ECGs were obtained in 51 of those students. That's 1%, of which one was then diagnosed with myocarditis and another four were judged to have significant arrhythmia. So five of the 51. So that's 5%, right? So we have 5% who have gotten reasonably serious problems. Myocarditis, abnormal issues, or rather arrhythmias or myocarditis. That's simple. So five of them got serious problems. 5%. So think about what is 5% of of 
of kids under 19. That's a gigantic amount of people out of 300 million. That's a lot. That's not acceptable. It's never acceptable, especially when we know that they, they're not in danger. Let alone 17% of them getting some form of heart problem. Now it says, conclusion, cardiac symptoms are common after the second dose of Pfizer's injection. Now they did discuss that it's different with, Mar with uh, oh no, this is a different study. Yeah, Moderna's not even mentioned in this. Okay, I, there was another one that mentioned Moderna, so scratch that. This is just Pfizer. The point is that after Pfizer shot, and weirdly the second dose, which is, I, I argue it's only going to get worse with three and four, and that's what ever, all the experts are saying. One of the things they were also studying is what, how effective they were at screening for this, and it, it's nice to find out that they're having a high effective rate of being able to, just, to see this. So that's the point, though. Think about that on top of it all. If they're having almost 100% effectiveness in being able to screen for this problem, ask yourself why the other doctors aren't connecting it with the vaccine. Now, it says the incident of cardiac adverse effects was reported to be as high as 1.5 per 10,000 persons after the second dose of Pfizer's injection in young male populations based in the reporting system. But I'm focused on this one right here. 17% of them had some kind of cardiac symptom. 5% of the kids involved in this had myocarditis or arrhythmia, a significant arrhythmia. That is not something to, 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 bat, to, to disregard. We all know that, though. I shouldn't even need to say that. This is obscene. And here is the kind of thing we're seeing. Bonded forever. Coach performs CPR to save Cloverfield baseball player. Like, same, this is a different conversation. Here's another one. Same thing. We use the CPR and the defibrillator to save this child on January 8th. That used to be super real. Here, this is Jan or January 11th. Excuse me. This is January 11th as well. Same day. Same day. Different area. Same thing. 17-year-old senior, Cloverfield High School, went into cardiac arrest during a football game. Totally normal these days, apparently. Now, isn't, he, he gave, uh, uh, Koenig gave him the stops. Oh, that, this is actually weird. So it's almost like they're trying to make it sound like the, the student was at fault for this. Because the, the teacher told him to stop. He was rounding second base and they gave him the stop sign, but he kept going. So that's why he died. <laughs> or that, no, uh, didn't die. Saved him. But that's why he had a heart attack, apparently. Because if he, if he would have stayed at second, like he was told, it would have been fine. But he chose to run to third, so he had a heart attack. I mean, it's just... It's just you, I'll, read it, I'll read it for you. It's a, it's the, the insinuation is very clear there. The, the coach gave him the stop sign to stay at second base. But Kyle kept chugging and did a head-first slide into third base. But his safe... He, his, his was safe, but it soon became clear that his life was in jeopardy. Quote, I got up on my hands and knees, so just like DeMar Hamlin, like all fours, and then just collapsed. Right, so the point that even McCullough made is you don't you don't see them get back up usually when this is a problem, unless it's something we're talking about that we just discussed. At first, the coach thought Kyle was having a seizure until he started gasping for breath and his heart stopped beating. "Quote: My hand was near his heart and I could feel how stiff his chest was, and so I put my hand over his heart and it just registered with me. He's having a cardiac situation here." Now the coach believes, "quote The stars were aligned to save Kyle because a parent." who just happened to be using the bathroom at the time nearby the football stadium, spotted, guess what? A defibrillator. And rushed over to use the device on the unconscious boy. And the moral of the story, thank God we had the defibrillator, he would have died. Probably true. Now, I'm, I'm not even debating. These, these things need to be put everywhere now because this is what they've done to people. But I want us to recognize that's not normal. I'm not quibbling about whether they should be placed. Do it. You damn well would not charge us for this, which they will. The point is that these things are not normal and have only been added to this and are acting like this is normal because COVID. 
a heart loop was implanted. He got a heart, he got a, 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 a an invasive surgery, put a device in his chest on November 14th. The device was a clicker that Kyle can hit if he experiences any symptoms. It will also record his heart rhythm, among other things, over the next four years. Disgusting. Dr. John Clark, a cardiologist, diagnosed Kyle with, can you guess? Can you guess what it was, guys? Commotio cordis. Apparently, that's just the new thing now, you know, despite it being like the most, no one's ever heard of this before, most people, and it's a rare condition in which an abrupt blow to the chest can lead to cardiac arrest. Well, that's not actually accurate, though. It's generally accurate, but it's more specifically a very small, centered, focused point. That's why baseball gets used, not diving on a blunt object like a pay a, a padded base or slightly padded underneath they're quite hard but also as a you know the ground sliding like this this is insulting we've already heard the discussions from plenty of experts that said even damar hamlin was a blatant misrepresentation it's highly highly unlikely that it was possible that that, that was the case and then on top of that the likelihood of cormoshio cortis even being possible if it was the right thing to happen was also giant, was it's it's a very very i forget the stats it's more, more, almost impossible it has to be the exact millisecond of in between heartbeats and has to be in the exact right location you don't have that happen with a base or a slide or a shoulder pad or shoulder uh, or your your pads in general designed to stop those blows in any case it says if it happens at precisely the right time it can lead to a ventricular fibrillation it's really a diagnosis of exclusion when there's nothing else to explain what happened. Great. So did we factor in the possible injection with a heart attack? No, of course not. So they just go, well, it wasn't anything else, so it must be commotion cortis. That's what he's saying. While doctors haven't revealed what caused Hamlin to go into cardiac arrest, Kyle sees similarities to what happened to him. Well, because they both collapsed. I mean, this is painful. Let's take a look at what they actually say. Here's commotion, here, here is commotion cortis. April 2nd. 2012 just a couple very quick points approximately in 2012 10 to 20 cases are added to the commotion cordis registry yearly so apparently across all the sports and this i believe this is um i was looking through it earlier i forget where we were dealing where the overall let's just for the sake of conversation let's take the united states i believe it's bigger than the united states in any case 10 to 20 out of all the things we're seeing We've already seen way more than 20 people have these kind of collapses. But to see two of them within one month, basically, within a very short period of time, with things that don't really line up with what we classically see, that seems pretty unlikely. There have been very few commotion cortis victims over the age of 20, which both of these people were actually, wait, this one, this one was not. 17-year-old. So we got one that was over, one that wasn't. So again, just all these unlikely possibilities. But here's the main part of it. In those sports in which there is no solid hard ball, commotion occurs secondary to impacts with elbows, fists, and helmets. Okay, none of this happened. You can look into it for yourself. He slid and then collapsed. So there wasn't a hard ball that hit him. There wasn't elbows, fists, or helmets. It was him on the ground. So are we going to pretend that you could collapse? I mean, this is not how this works, guys. And you were just shoehorning this into the argument because they don't want to acknowledge what's actually happening. That's my opinion. But that's what we're getting today. How much you want to bet we're going to see an increase in commotio cordis now that they can say that? As I said before in the conversation, they are literally guessing after Damar Hamlin into this argument, despite it being statistically far, far, far less likely than what we know can happen. 
myocarditis risk or heart attacks or strokes, blood clots. All of these things are statistically speaking, according to peer-reviewed science, gigantically more likely, a lot more likely than the stats around this. But yet they're able to guess and go, it's probably this one. Totally not the other thing, which is statistically more likely. That makes sense, right? Here's Tim saying, right now I have 76 patients with myocarditis or pericarditis from age 16 to 54, totally not young boys, all previously healthy athletic health enthusiasts with no previous health issues beyond PMS, eczema, etc. This is everywhere. We're, we hear this from everybody right now. It's just, they just don't want to acknowledge what's happening. Here is Dr. Fauci, or rather specifically Dr. McCullough, calling out Dr. Fauci for lying about Comotio Cordis. As coronavirus plushy points out, Fauci is wrong on vaccine-induced myocarditis. It's not benign. It's not rare. It's serious. The vast majority are hospitalized, and it can be fatal. And this is what they're hiding behind saying that it's very different, which, by the way, it can be different. The problem, though, is that what they're trying to pretend is that's a totally new version of myocarditis. It's not very dangerous. It's obscenely false. And this is what the peer-reviewed scientists found. It's what all this stuff is showing. They just want you to think that it's not the same thing and that gives them something to say back at you when you tell them the science or show them the scientific studies. Well, Dr. McCullough, uh, Dr. Fauci was pressed on the myocarditis cases from the vaccines last week. Here was his response. Some of the mRNA vaccines can cause a self-limiting, almost invariably benign, inflammatory response in the heart, which generally resolves in a very short period of time. It is very, very rare Overwhelmingly, COVID itself causes that in a dramatically higher rate. Is he correct? No, he's not. In a paper by Daniels and colleagues in JAMA, before the vaccines, uh, the NCAA Big Ten looked for myocarditis. They screened thousands of athletes. They found a handful of cases, none of which were clinically significant. Two Valley and colleagues from Israel has reported before the vaccines, that with COVID, there wasn't a higher rate than the background rate of myocarditis, which happens with parvovirus and giant cell. Now we're seeing an explosion of myocarditis, which the FDA agrees happens in young people, 90% men, mainly people uh, in the younger age groups, uh, due to the COVID-19 vaccine. Fatal cases reported by Verma, Choi, Gill, and Patone. So Fauci is wrong on this. This myocarditis is serious. The vast majority are hospitalized and it can be fatal. Now think about the difference here. We've got Dr. Peter McCullough pointing at peer-reviewed science. Now you can dispute. You could say the science is wrong. They're misled. He's wrong. But then you got Fauci just saying otherwise. What is he pointing at? Now I'm sure there's something. The point is you're, it's amazing that people will take his word over the science that McCullough is pointing at because Dr. Peter McCall has been debunked, which all the morons will shout when they don't know what's going on because you don't have a, is his life debunked? <laughs> I mean, the guy is a scientist. He's got expertise. He's got doc, or he's a doctor. He's got expertise. He's got plenty of cited research. It's insulting. And what he's pointing at is easily provable. The one I have on the screen is one of the many. And this is what Dr. I think it was Pierre Corey argued. And this is the simple point. This is the only valid study in this field right now to, to point at. Now, it doesn't mean it's the case. There could be other points in this. But everyone else is putting out all this other stuff. This one is huge. It's a large population-based study, peer-reviewed, coming from Israel, which finds, again, very clearly. Where was it? Right here. 
post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased risk of either of them. I mean, it's very clear. Now, at the very least, so his, his point is disputed, is it not? Now, on top of that, I've pointed out many times before, the risk of myocarditis, according to an NIH study, which I've showed many times, whether mild or not, which is what he keeps saying, oh, it goes away right away. Okay, fine. So even those cases, according to your NIH, well, not yours, but an NIH study, found that twenty your risk of mortality with even non-serious cases, as he's pointing at, of myocarditis, increased your risk of mortality by 25 to 56% over the next 10 years. That's why there is no mild heart problem. They are lying to you, and they know this is there. They don't care. Here is an example of just an endless list of these people. Again, we don't know for sure what every one of these are. But guys, this stuff is happening everywhere. People talking about the coronavirus injections, passing out on live TV. Do you really think they would want that? This is happening so frequently that it's happening on live, even to their own little briefings right in front of us. We've seen this one. This woman who has a, obviously has a stroke or something right on the air. It's, it's almost hard to watch. All right, passes out. We know this woman here who was bragging about getting her flu shot and everything right next to each other and then literally passes out on the stage. They think she's playing a bit. She wasn't. She had a medical emergency. She, she, and as she was joking about how she got all of them and she's safe, passed out. This guy on live TV, same thing, passes out. I mean, it's literally, it, you can't throw a stone right now without seeing this. This is not normal. Remember Tiffany Dover? From the very beginning when they all said, no, 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 it was because she had this weird thing. Obviously, they were lying. I mean, it's so obvious how this was covered up from the very beginning, which seems to suggest they didn't expect this. But who knows? Passing out. That was weird. <laughs> that was another one. Uh, this one. Passing out. Live on TV with little small clippets. So most of these are people speaking about COVID-related things, too. Passing out while live. Same thing on this one. Passed out. Face down. Come on, guys. You just can't pretend this is normal. And it's not COVID stuff. I mean, that's the point. You can, this, there's been numerous examples of this. A lot of this stuff was happening before the shots were even masked. I mean, like, or excuse me, in correlation with after the shots were given, right? The, the point is, from that is the most important point to show people that aren't paying attention. During 2020, when there were supposed to be COVID everywhere, which is debatable, and no shots being given in, in, by and large, we weren't seeing all of this. How do you make sense of that? That should have been the time when, the, if it was COVID, it should have been everywhere. And then it should have been dramatically decreased with the shots being given. But you saw the exact opposite. It's just correlation. But obviously that matters. This one was hard to watch. This guy had a stroke, obviously, and they just kind of carried on. My God. Totally normal, right? This is, this is normal COVID land. Well, let's just keep going with the broadcast. Well, this guy has a very obvious medical emergency. I mean, we can go on forever, guys. This and this, by the way, I feel bad because this guy eating, eating, reading did this great thread, and then a bunch of larger people just kind of like took it from him and made it their own. I think like Stu Peters, but other people like they shared it and were like, "Look at you know." A lot of people do that. People deserve credit, guys. This this is a great thread put together by somebody who was just trying to help, and that's who deserves the credit. 
right? A lot of people out there who are larger take advantage of people like this, and it just drives me crazy. But it's everywhere. Here's another great thread E. Sosa put together. A collection of people who have wished death, jail, made fun of, called crazy, or simply pushed the vax on the unvax, and now they're all dead, which I'm not promoting the positive. It's not okay to relish in people's pain. It really is not, ever. I mean, you'd be a better person. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just saying in any case out there, whether these people are war criminals or not, it's, it, ref, it reflects more on you to be happy about negative things than anybody else, whether or not they're bad people. Like, there's a level of being happy that people are held accountable. But just take it that far. That's just my personal opinion. But overall, it's a thread that shows you how many of these people came out and were this guy. Remember this guy? When he, he, he put this out saying, those of you who think the vaccine kills people can use me as a test. If I die, you were right. And he dies. Less than a year later. Now, obviously, he's 63, but he was in very good shape. This is one of the harder ones to understand. This was a, a, a former Jaguars guard who put the same thing out and said, we need this ASAP, vaccine mandates, and so on. And they died. Julie Powell, I would argue that COVID does kill some of the right people, she says. The anti-vaxxers, maskers are dying in legions, which was never really true. But yes, it's a real shame about Kavanaugh. She dies, 49. Now, some of these could just be coincidence, of course. But the point is, a lot of these people, I've got my vaccine, and they die. It's happening a lot. American journalist Grant Wall dies at the Cutter World Cup. We saw that one. I can keep going on. It just, it's endless. There's a lot, a lot of them are pretty rough. People that are going like, oh, the unvaxxers deserve to die, or, you know, might see how safe it is. I got mine. And then they die a week later. I mean, it's just, it certainly could just be coincidence, but it's kind of hard to miss the overlap here. Here's the, uh, oh, this goes on for quite a while, and he's got a secondary part of it, celebrity edition. Same thing where you can see these people getting sick and then, and then, you know, or rather getting the shot and then dying, you know, it's just over and over and over and over. It's hard. It's hard to watch. Very hard. Ozzy 17 points out Dr. Harich to add on to this, aka Skeptoc, outspoken critic of, of just alternative meds, died in her sleep unexpectedly. It's very sad. Her, this is uh, her husband speaking about her passing away, died in her sleep. That says, uh, and in general, showing, pointing out, speaking out again. Oh, and this was her post about saying, are you contemplating getting that second booster? So, aka the bivalent injection. I say your decision should be a resounding yes. Sad, sad. Oh, actually, oh, I went too far. That's why I have these lined up here. Anyway, same point. There's this one, and then part three, celebrities. It's a, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Now, here is a pilot making similar points about what we're seeing. Now, I've referenced this guy before, and I believe he was speaking with the same woman. World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, the Davos crowd demands unvaccinated pilots must be the climate change, the poster says. Now, this is Maria Z speaking with Alan Dana, former Jetstar pilot. Now, listen for yourselves. I mean, this is a big claim, and it rests completely on him, but what he said in the past is already fleshed out. This, this is a person who has insight, in, insight into these inner circles about pilots and so on. And what he's telling you is, doesn't surprise me, seeing as how we all seem to see what's happening, and they're just keeping it from being openly stated right now. The U.S. Freedom Flyers, Josh Yoda, he's the head president of the U.S. Freedom Flyers. He said they're getting calls now from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with unvaccinated crews. Now, they get the luxury of being able to choose because there are still a large amount of crew 
available in the United States who are not vaccinated because the companies they work for didn't mandate it. And yes. these, these wealthy businessmen are requiring unvaccinated crew on their business. Now, passengers of an airline on an airline ticket don't have that luxury. It's just like, okay. Are you, you know, aware of that happening in Australia as well, Alan? No, we don't really have as, as big a market for a business and corporate jets here. And uh, we're, not, we're not at the leading edge of, of getting calls. But the US Freedom Flyers have been going a lot longer than the Aussie Freedom Flyers. And uh, they're, they're a lot more well-connected than we are. But certainly, you know, if there are any businessmen out there that want to fly business jets, that I, myself, team members on the court case in the Magnificent 24 and a whole bunch of other Virgin, Virgin Australia crew that are on the ground, qualified, type-rated, experienced, unvaccinated, that are available because they... Think about that, right? So he's claiming that these, you know, these people in these circles, like the Davos crowd, are going out of their way to only have unvaccinated. I mean, you know why that's just plainly logical? Because these things have been proven, whether corporate discussions or peer-reviewed science, to increase your risk of blood clots. We all know that. I mean, it's been blatantly discussed. They just pretend like it's super, 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 super rare. Whatever. It's not. But the point is, that's an increased risk, okay? We know that flying at that elevated height increases your risk of blood clots flying in general pilots aren't stupid they know that so this is a problem so this is why a lot of pilots push back on it but the point is that these people who are now aware of the problem are using their money to get what they want like usual paying for unvaccinated flights so they don't risk their own death i mean it just pretty blows me away Hmm. there's in the chat pine nuts are better So let's switch over to Damar Hamlin example in all of this. They're not switch over this and the next part. We'll switch to, we're going to get to um, this interesting discussion of bridging, but I want to make a point about Damar Hamlin. Cause we just talked about the collapsing athletes and so on. I just don't see how this doesn't why shake people awake. There's nothing about this that makes sense. So Damar Hamlin had a medical emergency. They want to tell you it's just some, you know, some freak thing that happened, right? Okay. Historically, I mean, any one of these people have a contract. These, these people are commodities for the NFL. That's the reality. They are tool. They are pieces in their game they're using. They're paying them to perform, right? It's like any other situation, like actors in a field, whatever. The point is that you have a contract. And of course, if you can't perform, then you no longer, or usually don't get the contract, but in this case, they've got stipulations, right? So if you have an injury, which they know is likely or common in the NFL, not this kind, but, you know, knees and so on, then here's what will happen. You get so X, Y, and Z, you get, you know, 10%, 20%, whatever their agent works out for them, right? So for some strange reason, they said, let's just give DeMar Hamlin all of his money, even though it doesn't seem like he's going to play again. Does that sound like it makes sense to anybody? From a business perspective, from an NFL perspective, from a from a precedent-setting perspective for, per, for new contracts for NFL players? No. I mean, this is ridiculous what it does do is say this is okay what just happened right it's all good demar's got his money and he's safe and you know we love him and so here's all the money just shut up everybody it's okay it's all okay is it though or did he just have a very obvious medical emergency due to the injection that's being dramatically covered up and they're paying people just a thought because clearly we haven't proven one or the other have we i doubt we ever will know for sure but what we do know is it's highly likely that this was what happened 
based on all the experts in the peer-reviewed science, despite what they want to yell at you. So check this out. Sometimes it's okay to bend the rules. Oh, thank you, corporate media. Is it okay sometimes? Thank you to let us know when we're allowed to do what we're supposed to. I mean, think about how, what patron, how patronizing that is. It's okay, but when, it's only when we say it, though. You can't. You can't do that. We can bend the rules when we want to, because it's just so funny. Sometimes it's okay to bend the rules. Buffalo Bills safety Demar Hamlin, who suffered a cardiac arrest on Monday, has a contract that contains a standard split clause designed to pay him at a lower rate, which completely makes sense. Unless we're kind of admitting there was more that happened here, right? If it was just an act of God, why would the NFL feel obligated to give him all the money? He's not going to be able to fill the contract. I mean, I get it. It's sad. I mean, think about this in any other context. Does somebody who works at the grocery store get half their paycheck when they don't know? Why does this make sense? It's because they want you to be okay with this. In, and I, I do genuinely think a lot of it is probably just to be like, to Ham- Hamlin, don't speak out about this. But in light of his situation, which is which is what? Like, to be very clear, uh, it, we, aside from, you know, including the cardiac emergency discussion, he had a medical, he got hurt while playing football, which happens quite honestly all the time. Not like this, but injuries happen. In light of his situation, so in a general sense, which is very common, the four-year, $3.64 million contract agreed has been subjected to an adjustment. So despite the fact that he was placed on injury reserve this week, Buffalo has, per the NFL network, so not even not even the team's decision, the NFL stepped over them and said, work out an agreement with the NFL to pay him in full. I just, I mean, this is, I kind of was blown away by this. Why does that even make sense? They don't even try to rationalize that. It's, I, I guarantee you there are players and, and, and sports writers that are, that are losing their mind about this, unless they're just towing the line like most people today. Because this is not logical. The gesture is a continuation of the outpouring of love in the direction of Hamlin. Okay, why? Because he had a cardiac injury? Why is that more deserving? Did you do that for the guy who broke his knee last week? Well, no. So what's different about this? Because there's something very special happening around the conversation of cardiac arrest. And they just want you to feel good about it. As And as Hamlin returns to Buffalo, which I don't know if is, is necessarily the case just yet, whether he's going to be able to play, maybe all of this will trigger another movement. This is how they're kind of trying to cover this. Because we care about injuries in football, don't they? <laughs> Clearly not. Why in the multi-billion dollar NFL... Is a split contract still a thing? Because it's it's a sport. Because this is a business. This is not social justice warrior time, okay? This is not where you decide, like, if this is going to be something they fight for, then it, it would make sense in a business office, wouldn't it? Don't they deserve the same thing? No, this, this is weird. You, I hope you get what I'm saying. This is strange. They're trying to act like it, they deserve it, don't they? These, these gladiators in our bread and circus, don't they deserve to get all the money when they break themselves? Somebody, of course, I mean, I would argue, yeah, they probably do. But the point is, this is not logical from a pre-existing situation before. And it's always been this way. And only now that it's a conversation swirling around cardiac arrest, do they jump in and go, well, it's not just that. It's everyone. We, all, we care about all of them, don't we? How much you want to bet this completely falls flat moments after we stop paying attention to DeMar Hamlin? The moment the NFL can go back and probably still are to do this, they will. Because it's business. It says, was it the right thing for the Bills and the league to adjust his deal? Obviously. Because we live in this world of, you know, all of our moral superiority, despite the people that are leading that charge being some of the worst people alive. But, you know, no big deal. But Hamlin's salary for the year is $825,000. So had he been injured in a more 
conventional way, that's weird, and moved to the injury reserve, his week's pay would have been cut. So because it was not conventional, that's why this makes sense. I mean, they're just telling you the truth. What does it matter if it's a weird thing? Like what if next time somebody has an aneurysm or something strange, which doesn't happen all the time? Do they also then get this weird caveat? Will you write an article about them? No. It says, meaning if a guy gets hurt in this brutal sport, he gets punished with a 50% pay cut. An NFL team really needs that $22,000 rebate? Okay, what about what about rugby? What about what about MMA? Do you care about them? <laughs> of course not. I know I'm de- beating this dead horse, but I just find this to be very very interesting. But NFL players getting hurt is hardly unique, and robbing them <laughs> of half their salary due to injury is hardly fair. Oh, so this was ho- hoisted upon them without their knowledge? Pretty sure they signed that contract when they got their 3.6 million dollar deal. You see my point? This is ridiculous, and this is all about creating a context here that makes it sound like we're just doing the right thing for people to get hurt, because it happens all the time. This is a game, man, and this is blatant. I mean, this comes from the Bills Digest. I mean, this is it's obvious. This is a focused thing. So, well, in the interest of time, it has been two hours. I'm, I'm going to try to breeze through this part of it in general, guys, but I just want to point this out to people. This whole thing with with Member of Parliament Andrew Bridgeton is pretty ridiculous. The point being that he just basically got removed from his position because he had the nerve to stand up and point at the provable science. To stand up and say the one thing they're supposed to pretend isn't happening, right? He broke the silence. He said the silent part out loud. You're not allowed to do that sometimes. And he got peep, and it says he paid the price. As Richie Allen points out, it's open tyranny. Bridgeton called for the suspension of the deadly shots because that's what the, that's the right move right now. That's what all the science is showing. I mean, how can we pretend that you can have a peer-reviewed science study, a study from British Medical Journal saying that they're a net harm, peer-reviewed, meaning it got reviewed by other experts and it got posted on one of the largest platforms of medical journals on the planet and it's still fake news? He's going to get fired for pointing at what they said and saying the same? Well, no. You see, what they actually did was pretended he was racist. And use that, despite the fact that what he did was cite an Israeli person claiming this was in line with a Holocaust situation. And they completely misrepresented it, claimed that he was being anti-Semitic in comparing things to the Holocaust. Not what he did. I'll play it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you hear it. Despite the fact that we have literal Holocaust survivors that have said this is what's been going on with COVID has been worse than that. That's what they have said, not us. But apparently it's anti-Semitic to simply point. No, it's bad for them to admit that these things are killing people, so they're willing to do anything to keep that under wraps. That's what's actually happening, in my opinion. He's had his conservative party whip removed after having crossed a line. That's what's happening. Bernie Sweets points out, oh, look, Sajid Javid wading in and getting it wrong yet again. Right to take action over this tweet. Morally repugnant to compare the life-saving rollout vac- vaccine rollout to the Holocaust. Not what he did. Not even remotely. And it's dangerously wrong to imply many good people who played part in it are some kind of conspiracy. Did he say that? See, the point is, he's saying these things are killing people. The data shows that. They know what's going on. Javid Javid is well aware of the conspiracy, I would argue. Unless he's just too stupid to know what he's being used for with his 
Ukraine colored Nazi, you know, this ridiculous thing going on here. But the overall point is that they're trying to act like this was dangerous and incorrect, despite the peer reviewed science, despite the experts. I'm going to go ahead and argue that that Dr. Javid got confronted with on that clip you saw or Maholtra or Makola or these people are gigantically insultingly far more educated on the topic than Dr. Or excuse me, than Mr. Member of Mr. Javid. <laughs> the guy who doesn't have the right to say the point is they all are saying this and he's just going to go fake news because racism that's all they have here is political b pointing out just look at the cesspit of controlled puppets desperate to deflect attention away from the deaths and injuries of the so-called vaccine they promoted no acknowledgement whatsoever it's not as if they're going to admit their unscrupulous behavior that's exactly the point and you can see in these pictures of other dumb, the you know, other things they're acting like. This is inappropriate, as they're all have been gr- aggressively inappropriate in a thousand other ways. The point is they don't want to point at the elephant in the room. So what do they do? They all know they misrepresent what he said. They all pretend he said the thing they know he didn't say. And they all use it to shout him down and pretend like he's a bad guy. So anybody wants to be able to have a ledge to hold on to is going to say he's racist. How dare you point at that racist? Are you a racist? And there you go. The rest is history. It's that simple for people that want an excuse. The truth is, he didn't say that. I'll play it for you at the end. Matt Hancock. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the disgusting, anti-Semitic, anti-vax conspiracy theories that have been promulgated online this morning are not only deeply offensive, but anti-scientific and have no place in this House (laughs) or in our wider society. Well, can I join with my right honourable friend in completely condemning those types of comments that we saw this morning in the strongest possible terms. Obviously, it is utterly unacceptable to make linkages and use language like that, and I'm determined that the scourge of anti-Semitism is eradicated. It has absolutely no place in our society. And I know that the previous few years have been challenging for the Jewish community, and I never want them to experience anything like that. So it's more insulting to use those people to pretend you're fighting for them than it is to, you know, what they're doing is using people like that. And most people that most of the average Jewish community out there does not want to be used in that way. Just like I would argue in most of these places, it's the people that are the Zionists that pretend that's the case that use these things. Again, the point is he did not make that comparison. He pointed at a Jewish Israeli who made that comparison and said, this is a cardiologist who is saying this. And that's what they do. I mean, it's just, it's inherently dishonest. These people are ridiculous clowns that are dishonest about everything all the time because it suits their political interests. Here's another individual. No member of my party should be pushing this crap. Again, not what actually happened, but this is the kind of stuff you get. They are either too stupid to see how clearly this is being misrepresented or don't care. Virginia said on this is utter rubbish. It's total nonsense. Anybody with half a brain cell who understands, um, you know, any... um, uh, basic understanding of science. Oh, get there, dude. Okay, Andrew per- Andrew Percy then doesn't have those things. So I guess we can assume he doesn't have brain cells to rub together, seeing as how he's wrong. I mean, we literally just went over the science that shows exactly what Bridget is saying. These things are dangerous. This guy's speaking on narrative and policy, as if he knows. These are the most uninformed people on the planet acting like they know what's going on, because I think they think they do. It's the people pulling their strings that generally know what's happening here uh, and of how these processes operate know that it's nonsense so uh, you know i don't know how he's ended up in this position but it's dangerous and you know no member of my party should be pushing this crap uh, all i can say is that that's fine i'm tired this they, you know this guy doesn't even deserve your time it's pathetic 
It's it's insulting and pathetic. These people think that they have the right to stand up and say these things. First of all, every one of them have a right to say whatever they want. It's called free speech. The fact that they're putting these arbitrary lines, you're not allowed to make valid comparisons. It's, it's just silly. Here's another example. Na- uh, neighbor con member of parliament Heather Wheeler says she's truly sorry Bridgeton lost whip for what is seen as leading the anti-vaccine group. So again, simply pointing out that the data shows these things are hurting people. They must be pulled. Suddenly becomes the leader of the anti-vaccine movement. It's just stupid. These are the adults, right? These are the leaders who are just blatantly wholesale lying about what's happening. He's very clear that from a scientific point of view, he has a right. He has right on his side. Unfortunately, other people will use his words and sadly twist them. That part I agree with. He says, says, understands whip chief whips decision, but hopes it can be restored. And he'll be able to sit down with some of our people in the DFH and really go through the details. It's a sad day. I doubt that will ever happen. Says Holocaust link outrageous. (laughs) Okay. We'll say that to the Israeli Jew that said that. Oops, that's not going to happen, though, because they would feel pretty stupid. They only want to pretend this is the case when they can use it against somebody, as they all too often do. Here's him speaking about this. Coronavirus Plus, he shared this. Reasonable questions about the safety and effectiveness of these vaccines must continue to be asked. Yeah, gee, what a racist, right? That's what they're misrepresenting. Leader of the anti-vaccine group. Is he saying things that can't be proven with peer reviews? No, he's not. He's literally saying what we just showed you. Reasonable questions about the side effects of mRNA vaccines, especially when we know categorically that the current risk of harm to most of the population, and especially young people from COVID-19, is minuscule. In the past, vaccines have been completely withdrawn uh, from use for a much lower incidence of serious harm. For example, the swine flu vaccine was withdrawn in 1976 for causing Willem-Barre syndrome in only one in 100,000 adults. And in 1999, the rotavirus vaccine was withdrawn for causing a form of bowel obstruction in children affecting one in 10,000. With the COVID NRA vaccine, we're talking of a serious adverse event rate of at least one in 800. That, that, again, you just saw that come from the reevaluation of the peer-reviewed study of Pfizer's peer, th- phase three trial, their own data. And they're representing that as conspiracy theory, likely because they have no idea about that because they're so blinded by their own superiority or don't care, they just march forward. These people don't care about you. There are reasonable questions to ask of a government that is considering extending the use of these experimental vaccines to children as young as six months of age. These, ladies and gentlemen, are babies. Uh, Last week, the MHRA authorised these experimental vaccines for use on children as young as six months. 0.0003% infection fatality rate. 0.0003%. It's ridiculous. One in 800 risk for 0.0003%. One in 555 for general serious adverse events. Report, which I've already quoted in a Westminster Hall debate some weeks ago by the Journal of American Medical Associations studying the effects of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccination on children under five years of age show that one in 200 had an adverse event, which resulted in hospitalization and had symptoms that lasted longer than 90 days. I was saddened to hear yesterday of my suspension, but I'm not downhearted. I've received huge support from ordinary people, medical workers who are too intimidated to speak out. Exactly. And of course, from those who've experienced vaccine harms themselves or to a loved one. As the data 
clearly shows to anyone who wants to look at it, the mRNA vaccines, they're not safe. Right. They're not effective right. and they're not necessary. Exactly. I implore the government to halt their use immediately. And as I've demonstrated, and the data clearly shows, the government's current policy on the mRNA vaccines is on the wrong side of medical ethics. It's on the wrong side of scientific data. And ultimately, Madam Deputy Speaker, it will be on the wrong side of history. I mean, how can you possibly pretend that? I mean, this is what the science shows. These people either don't know or don't care. We just showed you the study showing a 17.1 percent of, of the pop of the grouping of children in the in the study having heart problems. Five percent of the total having serious heart issues, myocarditis and arrhythmia. So if you just want to correlate, use that five percent of the population, it's usually not exact. You know, more studies will be done. But if that's even possible, it should be stopped. And as his point is, previous studies with just hypothetical risk have already been pulled in the past. Not now. Reasonable questions about the safety and effectiveness of mRNA vaccines must continue to be asked. And I will continue to ask them. Good for him. Now, again, you know, we should question whether this is a person positioning themselves to be the new hero that only ends up using it to lie to you in the future. Those things, they, they, there are elements of this that do think that far ahead. But either way, right now, that is being is a good thing and it is waking people up. So just be vigilant and question everything. So when it starts to seem dishonest in turn, well, then engage it in such. So here's an example of him posting this. Something has been going has been going seriously wrong in our country for several years, and it has to stop. Here's what he says. And this is just talking about the tweet itself. I mean, think about how they're talking about it. And this is the reality. And this, I've, this is, I've confirmed this myself. What he says is he's referencing somebody else's comment. We've already seen this happen with plenty of other people. Where I mean, even myself, where I'll talk about, you know, look at what the Israeli government just did over here in Syria. What are you, an anti, are you anti-Semite? It's like, how do you even conflate those things at this point? What they do is pretend like they know what you, wink, wink, actually think. That's the only thing they've got. And that's the same thing they do. Here's what Putin thinks. And here's what Assad knows. He doesn't want to kill children. If you buy that, I've got a bridge to sell you. No, I removed it because some people claim they found it offensive. Um, I completely refute any allegations of anti-Semitism. And it was ludicrous when you think that the actual person I was quoting via a top cardiologist actually was um, an Israeli uh, doctor of criminology and sociology at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. But the- think, about it, think about how stupid that is. They know that. It's plain. It's obvious. And they must have seen him say this by now. They're still going. The same thing they do. They've already picked their narrative and they're going to drive it into the ground. Their side of the argument is going to continue to scream. We know what he really meant. You're all racist for defending him. And there's no argument to be had. And what happens is the truth gets buried. That's always the point. Evidence you speak of, it's been fact-checked and proven to not be accurate. Your arguments have been debunked. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. My God, that's ridiculous. This is what they're doing. This, you get this smug guy over here full of hubris to say, they've been debunked. The things that we can right now prove to you with peer-reviewed science, according to this mm, expert, journalist, who cares? He's an idiot. He is towing a line if he thinks that's the truth. By scientists. They've been debunked by the Department for Health. Nope. Are you, say, are you well, saying... Let's have the debate in Parliament. Let's have right. the debate. Let's have, let's have the debate. Let me bring my experts and let... Hancock bring witty and valence and, and let's have that debate. They won't have it. Rather than debate it in public and rather than put out loads of tweets, why don't you take yourself off 
and speak to the experts at the Department for Health and let them tell you what they think. Want to Again, his entire premise is you're wrong and we know it. So just go get told what the truth is. This guy is dishonest in his engagement with this entire interview. But that's how this goes. Give him credit for at least showing up. Because when you show up to these kind of interviews, you always get taken out of context. They, ought, they, they have an agenda in mind when they show up. That's how these things work. I believe this is BBC. They're the worst. One, so you can understand See? where you may have gone wrong because exactly. they are saying you're stupid. you are wrong. Well, I'm not wrong when I look at the public. I've been approached by hundreds of people. I've had thousands and thousands of emails uh, of support from the UK and, and around the world. And I've been put in contact with lots of doctor groups um, who are aware of the harms that the vaccine are causing. Most of which have higher credentials than the people at the Public Health of Scotland or England, or excuse me, the UK Health Security Agency, because that's totally normal today, right? That it's a security agency for your health. Totally makes sense. The point is that most of these people we're pointing at, these high, like, like Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the most cited doctors in his field, these people have a more understanding of this than these people that are running these doc. I mean, we've seen this throughout the United States, through the UK, any of these locations. When you find out what these people's credentials are, you know, like like Rachel Levine at the HHS, they're not the person that is smarter or have higher expertise than the doctors who are in these fields. Yet they're the ones standing over and making these choices. What do you think your constituents think of all this? Now they've elected a Conservative MP and you've been kicked out of the Parliamentary Party. Well, let's see what the parliamentary party do. If it's about talking about vaccine harms, there's very little I can do about it. It is a real issue and it's, it's growing. Awareness is growing of this issue. It's tremendously important. In fact, I can't think of anything more important. You seem to be sacrificing your political career to do this. For the truth. If that's what it takes, that's, it doesn't matter about my political career. There's something seriously going wrong in this country. And quite honestly, Tony, it's been going wrong for several years Good and it's got him. to stop. Good for him, right? I mean, it's hard not to see that as the right thing when he's literally sacrificing his career unless there's more to the story, right? I mean, this is the same point we keep seeing. There's no benefit here. These people are losing everything to try to do this. Now, it could eventually turn around if you could, you know, harness this into making something benefit you. And there's no negative side to that. You literally lost your entire livelihood to stand up for what's right. You should hopefully benefit from that in the long run if the world is any, any justice in it. The sad reality, though, is a lot of people don't. They lose everything. I actually, I'm going to air the interview tomorrow. I had a great interview with Without, pa- P- uh, Without Papers Pizza from Canada. It's, it's a hard interview. It, it, it's, it's, the guy lost everything to stand up for what was right. And he did the right thing. I mean, it's hard to see it that way because he lost everything. But these people need to be remembered for this, especially as people like this. If it ends up that we go forward and this member of parliament turns out to just, you know, drift in the background and there's no new agenda to be played. He literally sacrificed his entire career to stand up for what was right. Those are the kind of people that need to be remembered in history. Sadly, these days, the, you know, and really always, the history is written by the, written by the winning hand. So if these people keep maintain power, then that person will be relegated to the, the, the person who made the hemp pulp machine that make, turns hemp into paper. That guy, who, who the hell is that guy? We don't want hemp to be re- relevant. We don't want paper pulp because it's better for our business. That's how that works. We're not going to remember you. Well, here's another example, by the way, talking about the stroke conversation. Last couple parts to, last couple segments actually to finish this up. This got censored. I don't know if they were forced to delete it because by the way, I've just given up on even trying to, the whole Twitter conversation, I think it's dwindled because I think people are starting to realize what a game this all was. 
But I, I had a whole segment about showing there's people being censored. There's still conservatives being throttled. There's doctors being censored again. I mean, it's happening right now on Twitter. It's just, it's, I don't know why we ever took that bait or if anybody really did. And I was getting played by the conservative, you know, influencers acting like everybody agreed. I don't know. The point is Twitter's the same thing and we shouldn't be trusting Elon Musk. I had a great panel that Derek Bros put on that I highly recommend you check out. Check out the consciousresistance.com or Derek's channel on, on Odyssey. And we had a great panel talking about that risk. It was a great panel. The reality is this is not a person that should be trusted. The point is that this was either censored or they took it down themselves. I'm not sure why, but it says this is beyond criminal now. And you, and this was, you can see the video itself. The, another example, broadcasters suffer serious stroke. And here they are, you know, some typical message you can imagine about vaccines are good and you're bad for not doing it. And then she has a stroke. Now, could be something else. The point is that this is one of the high possibilities. Now, here is one of the exact reasons we were going to talk about this today. As Aussie 17 shared, the CDC just said there's enough people who have taken the vaccine and had a stroke. So we're going to investigate it. You don't have to listen to the clip. The point is they admitted, well, there's a signal we see here. But you know why this is the biggest relief valve of all of them? Because there's a, it's everywhere. The signals are literally everywhere. Why they just plucked this one out for some reason? Well, I can show you why. First of all, just to show you, here's Reuters or Yahoo News. US FDA, CDC, they see an early signal. <laughs> an early signal. My God, these people are ridiculous. A possible Pfizer bivalent, but only bivalent, though. Don't miss the game here. Link to stroke. Okay, well, first of all, that link has been there from the very beginning. It's not just the bivalent. It's far worse with that. Early sign? Possible? Come on now. This is the most obvious effort to hide, to, to make you think they care. You just keep going. You'll see it. But first of all, here's Christian Terres, uh, the member of European Parliament, saying the same thing. Well, they, they thought the effects were so high that they started today to do the investigation. Everybody thought, finally, finally. I said, but wait, wasn't that all dangerous medical misinformation? I guess only right up until you admit that it's happening, as always. Yet only admitting to a fraction of what is truly happening, as always. Drip, 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 release valve, relief valve, stop the shots now. Point is, even then, when they're going, we, even the investigation was something that was so dangerous medical misinformation 30 seconds ago, but now they're, now they're saying it, as always. Again, here was RFK, RFK Jr. pointing out, well, alarming new information from the CDC and the FDA that everyone's known for two years. That's the point. The problem is this article has now changed. Because guess what happened, guys? <laughs> exactly what you might have expected this whole time, where they're like, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to look into it. We're going to make you, we care, we care, except now we don't. CDC and the FDA find no increased risk of isemic stroke for elderly who get five Okay. Guys, this wasn't even 24 hours. I mean, you realize how stupid this is? This is this was literally less than 24 hours. And they did a whole deep due diligence investigation. No, they said, we're going to look at it. No, we found it. No, we investigate ourselves. Not guilty. Classic. We investigated ourselves and we found nothing wrong. Or you could see it however you want. Apparently, they've been doing their due diligence on the Veyer system for two and a half years. And we're still looking and we don't know. It's still unconfirmed. But are able to pluck one out and do it in less than 24 hours and say, nope, all good. Keep taking them. No problem. We thought there was a risk, but no, you're wrong. It's not there. You can't make this up. I mean, this is painful. I don't think anyone's going to buy this. Here's what it says now. My point was when he posted this, it was, you know, saying what you thought it was saying. We're going to investigate this because the, the, the link seems clear and we're going to, the numbers are high. And, and now it says this. Transparency and vaccine safety are top priorities of the CDC, blah, blah, blah. That's what we care about you and help detect possible safety. They don't care about any of that. 
the idea that they're going to use theirs to protect it. No, it's been there. The safety signals, exactly the way that system is supposed to be used, have been there since the very first month of this. The problem is they go, no, it's a bunch of anti-vaxxers. How could they even know that? It's just that they're just going, ignore it because it's unverified. The whole point of the system is that it's just a signal. It's not verified. You never need to verify it. It's a signal. And if the signal gets high enough, you pause it, which is what Dr. Rain from the UK Medical Health Agency said in 2006 about their yellow card system. It's just a signal. We never, we don't need to confirm them. As long as it's high enough, we need to pause the injection. Why does that logic apply today? Because we're being played. They care about keeping you safe and they're using the systems to help detect possible signals. No, they're not. As early as possible to facilitate further investigation. No, they're not. Often these safety systems detect signals that could do, be due to factors other than vaccine itself. Hmm, that's an odd thing to include, don't you think? Okay, so they say often these systems, basically what they're saying is a lot of times it's not even what you think it is. Okay, well, then the logical alternative to that would be is often it is the opposite of what we say it is. Oh, well, I guess they only want to say it one way. You, can you not see what that is? This is them already casting shade. But, 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 but sometimes it's not even the thing. It's not the thing, though. Sometimes. <laughs> well, sure, you could say that. But how about the real point, though, which is that 1% of the time, or rather 99% of the time, it's not even shown. That's the point. Often these, that's not the truth. Often these signals don't detect. No, it's the clear point that the HHS and Harvard found that this system detects 1% of the total. So that is just a blatant lie, in fact. The uh, the MHRK or, or M, uh, or in, in the UK, they found about 9-10%. Meaning that it's all, it's almost always a gigantic lot more than what you're seeing. Yet all they can do is already downplay it. No, it's not that often. It's not. <laughs> that just seems very, very self-serving. All signals require further investigation and confirmation. Clearly not. Following the availability of the use of the updated bivalent new injection, the CDC, or the Safety Data Link, a near real-time surveillance system, met the statistical criteria to prompt additional investigation. Of course, because they're not going to say theirs, obviously, because then they're going to feel like, well, what about everything else? They're going to say the one that we have. We, we noticed the signal. We're not going to show you, though. We felt something was there. They're hoping people are going to go, finally, they see it. See, you conspiracy theorists were wrong. They just, they just finally had to make sure... Well, they already shot it down. If you think there's not a signal or not an obvious increase in strokes, you're not paying attention. The science is there. This is them making you think they care and then shutting it down. That's my opinion. Rapid response investigation. Bivalents were more likely to have an ischemic stroke in the 21 days following vaccination compared with day 22 to 42 following vaccination. Okay. So there is an increased risk? No. But they just said there is, but it's not though. So simultaneously, while telling you, we noticed an increase in this time frame, they're going to tell you, no big deal, though. No other safety systems have shown a similar signal, and multiple subsequent analyses have not validated the signal. So we see a signal. We're seeing a report. But then when we looked through it ourselves and asked other people, we all agree it's not real. So you, you sound good? You, you feel good with that? <laughs> Are you out there listening going, okay, I feel better? The CDC looked into it, and it's not real. No increased risk of stroke did not indicate increased risk of stroke, not seen as an increased reporting, does not indicate a signal, not observed increase. Everyone they ask, no, 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 your lying eyes are lying to you. 
Now, I'm obviously being facetious here, guys. The point is the system, the Bayer system, is is obscene. It is so far above the normal numbers. As we know, it's like 99% of everything on that system right now is around COVID-19. 20 plus thousand deaths reported. That's a signal right there. They just don't care. You can't keep sidestepping that and acting like we know it's this because you don't know that. And a lot of this stuff has already been shown to have been lied about. Point is, no change is recommended. (laughs) I'm sure they went through everything in less than 24 hours. That makes a lot of sense, right? No increased risk. Despite the clear increased risk of the signal you found. But that was deemed to be fake somehow. Got it. Here's Dr. Peter McCullough. Two autopsy studies, new, shaves and swabs, show 70 to 80% of deaths are due to known mechanisms of COVID-19 vaccine injury. Things they've already made clear are possible. That's what I keep saying. So they can say this can cause this, then people can die from that thing with no other clear cause, and they still deny it's the vaccine injection. Sudden death is most common representation of vaccine fatality, and yet denied. Now, we've talked about this many times, so you can read this if you want. It's on his Substack. The link to the study is there. To finish today, the main point that the expose is making even when they try to hide it, they accidentally admit the truth. And I don't, I really don't believe this is on purpose. BBC accidentally admits COVID vaccine is to blame for 2022 being the worst year for excess deaths in half a century after journalists, in quotes, choose to lie, believing nobody would mark their homework. That's the way they frame it, but I agree. UK suffered the highest number of excess deaths throughout 2022 in over half a century. It was all going so well for the BBC and its reporters until they decided to unequivocally state that no way, in no way, shape, or form is the COVID-19 vaccine responsible for the record-breaking year of death. Despite the fact that we still don't know what's causing it, though, but we know it's not the vaccine, because that always makes sense, right? They even provided a source to provide it and claimed that, quote, figures up to June 2022, looking at deaths from all causes, show unvaccinated people were more likely to die than vaccinated people. They just said that. (laughs) Just wait, because even their data shows that's not true. And it's just, it's hilarious. They are putting it all on the line right now. They are straight up. This is what I wonder why they didn't do this to begin with. Just blatantly lie or even just fudge the numbers. I mean, I really don't even know why. If they're just willing to blatantly lie, they don't just blatantly lie, right? But the point is, then it says they then went on to state that if vaccines were driving excess deaths, like we claim, like the anti-vaxxers claim, we would expect this to be the other way around. <laughs> because if it is, though, it's the best part. If vaccines were driving excess deaths, we would expect this to be the other way around. Oh, I just, it's just, oh, that, that's my, excuse me, that's my uh, highlighter making that repeat for some reason. That happens sometimes. Anyway, th- the point was what I said. I just read it twice. And so the, the point Expose is making was, one, that we do know that's what's happening. We've seen this many times over. So they're basically going, well, that the, if vaccines were driving excess death, this would be the other way, other way around. So it is. So therefore, it, vaccines are driving excess death, according to their logic. The point is, though, even this data they put in this study shows exactly what the opposite. It's, I mean, I looked at it for myself, as always. The Expose does a great job on this. They always link to it. They always show you the data. You can look at it for yourself. And we can reveal that mortality rates per 100,000 in every single age group, even children in England and Wales, are the lowest among the unvaccinated. That's per 100,000. That's not majority. That is a breakdown of risk 
despite the different variations of age and, and risk and everything. The point is, per 100,000, unvaccinated groups are at the lowest risk across the board when compared to vaccinated. And it's lowest among the unvaccinated of all age groups by May 2022 at the latest. Some age groups. The point is that unvaccinated are not at risk, guys. Per 100,000, it's gigantic. And, we, and we've been seeing this since the, the Delta or whatever that was. Their own data was showing that they were like three, four times more at risk to get sick from this. Therefore, it says BBC News has not only lied to the public, but they have also admitted in black and white that the COVID injections are the blame for the 2022 being the worst year for deaths in half a century by confirming that, quote, if vaccines are driving excess death, we would expect this to be the way around. Highest mortality rates among the vaccinated, which is what we see. So there you go. The point, though, is that I argue the people writing the BBC article, this is what I keep saying. I don't think they realize how dumb they are and they don't realize what they just, they're taking what they're told is what this finds. And that's what they claim we do. They love to go cherry picking anti-vaxxers when they seem to barely even read these studies or do and know they're wrong and don't care. There's only two options as far as I can tell, because you can read it for yourself. Look at the data. The source link is right there. The data, the page from the state's right in front of you. The risk is higher for the unvaccinated. So how, I mean, either they didn't know that or they lied to you and hoped you wouldn't look. I tend to think it's the first one. I think they don't realize that they're wrong from a, from an average quote unquote journalist perspective because they think research is telling what they're told. The moral of the story is, of course, always check the official source. Exactly. That's why Twitter files is a game. But that is, of, that is of no comfort to the thousands of families across the country who are still mourning the loss of their loved ones. As the truth about the catastrophic events of the past year comes to light, and as the investigation into COVID-19 vaccine scandal unfolds, it is clear that the consequences of this deception will be felt for years to come. You cannot trust the BBC. And the UK government has clearly confirmed that mortality rates per 100,000 are the highest among the vaccinated in every single age group. Just it's it, this is because it's and it's look, it's not just this is everywhere. This is Scotland or excuse me. I, that's I, I look at that one, too. That one is same thing. I only chose these two because the most obvious same thing in Ontario. Same thing in any one of the locations you want to look at right now. This is New South Wales and Australia. A lot of people point at this report, but don't forget, we've been pointing at these reports for a year and a half or more way back when the point is it's still the same. You can see for yourself, the report shows you no doses, have zero hospitalizations, and six deaths. That's it. And don't forget that they claim anything within 21 days or 14, in the case of UK, is unvaccinated, even if they've got two or got a shot in their body. So it's just as likely those things are people with shots in their body. Either way, look at the numbers. Four or more doses, 810 hospitalizations, or rather it's, um, yeah, hospitalizations, 810, 58 in the ICU, 53 deaths. Then you can add that up with everything else. Three doses, 377 hospitalizations. I mean, look at the numbers. It's just it, 810 with four or more doses. It's just obvious. Here's the report itself. You can look at it for yourself, and you should. The numbers are undeniable. Sorry, it's right there. Here, just again, just to realize, this is from November 2022. This is the Telegraph. Crisis as excess deaths soar to levels even higher than the COVID pandemic. How are we still pretending this is not exactly what it looks like? The excess death, the baffling non-COVID, that's the point, excess death, higher than the COVID pandemic. Just the lockdowns, really? What about all the things that we can't explain? 
How do you explain unexplainable problem that just did like you don't have a problem that gets worse during lockdown that you can't explain. That's the heart stuff they're talking about, the cancers. Well, if you go in, you don't know why they died. Well, you can't say that then. That's the game they're playing. Obviously, they're trying to cover this up. That's my opinion. Peter Sweden points out this is really bad. This is on January 12th. Britain had over 2,000 non-COVID-related excess deaths in one week. Last year, they were among the highest excess mortality rates in 50 years. You realize these are almost exactly correlated with the injections and how many they gave in these areas. Compared to, there's so many places around the world right now that are easy to compare, that had very low vaccination rates and are not seeing the same thing, despite the fact their arguments were, they're going to kill everybody by not doing what we're forcing on our populations. Texas Lindsay points out, in the United States, 350,000 excess deaths in 2022. I mean, this is as clear as it gets. If you're going to pretend that the vaccination was supposed to help anybody, you wouldn't have more excess death. This is always, this is now and has always been the problem in my mind. This is what has always been the pandemic. And of course, here's Anna Breeze posting excess death would be higher without COVID vaccines. Fact check. <laughs> my God. Okay. New, new media indeed. Okay. Well, let's, here we go. Here's the Excess deaths would be higher without COVID vaccines. Let's look at this fact check. Full fact. January 13th. Here's what it says. Here's the claim. The COVID-19 mRNA vaccines are a likely contributing factor to the number of excess deaths. That's, it's so, it's not a likely. It is 100% a factor. The question is how much? Like, this is what I don't understand. Are we debating that they said it can cause myocarditis? No. Everybody knows that. What we're now debating is how much of a risk, which is really interesting looking back on how we started. Okay, myocarditis, which was the leading cause of collapsing athletes before the pandemic. That's an NIH study. So we all know there's a connection here. Clearly, if they can cause myocarditis, then obviously it's possible. And we know myocarditis is a leading cause of collapsing athletes or just collapsing and cardiac issues. Well, there you go. Okay, so it's a simple, basic fact. This is a factor. The injections are having some increase because they can cause it. And yet the premise of the conversation is debating whether that's even possible, despite the fact they've all admitted that it can do it. Do you re- I mean, this is, we are living through some kind of psychosis. It's crazy to me. And it's not meant to give anybody any pass on that, whether they're dealing with psychosis or not. It's they're culpable for their actions. Here's the verdict. If you can believe this, a few dozen people, a few dozen people, have died as a result of COVID vaccination. Apparently, that's a fact. Vaccines have also prevented tens of thousands of deaths, which I don't know how you could verify that. We'll say, so two completely subjective statements, and that's what they're using to debunk this. That's a fact check? We're going to start with a false premise that only a few dozen people have died? So that's what, this is the point. The whole thing starts under the assumption that we know that, that not many people died, so therefore it's not true. This is pathetic. The problem is that people take this stuff at face value. The whole point is meant to say, Maltra's wrong, he's a liar, and this isn't true. It's just basic science, and it's obvious right now. And that's why people like Bridgen are being shouted down, because he's saying the same thing. It's, just, it's basic and obvious if you just look at the... that They're screaming, trust the science, but they're not even looking at it anymore. Here is a, another report, now analysis of the specific death reports from Vayers. Just the death. This is January 2023. So they're claiming no fake news, right? I guess they missed this study. They don't care about the science. Those fact checks don't even look at these things, I argue. They just 
it's a, an opinion check. They are keeping people's opinions the way they're supposed to be. This is There's one thing that's interesting in this that goes off what I would argue, but the, the general point is the same. Our analysis indicates as the vaccines were rolled out to each group, VAERS reports that for each group, we also the, the reports for that age group also grew. So every time they added a, a new age group, so younger, though, we're including now the teens. Well, every time we saw spikes, spikes in those age groups. It, it, this is how the system is supposed to work. That's a signal right there. That that the identified disparity between male and female bears death reports in 2021 became less pronounced, meaning that it wasn't really a male, female or just a young, young thing. This was clearly hurting people across the board. That's my interpretation that cardiac and diabetic co- comorbidities continue to be significantly correlated with the VAERS death report, and that almost half the death reports in the, in the in report include evidence of individuals having been diagnosed with a breakthrough case. So what we're saying at the end is essentially going, but as much as we saw dramatic increases with these things correlating with the shots, that, were, that they we saw them correlate with comorbidities with other heart problems. But of course, because what we're finding out is that if you have a comorbidity, it's it exacerbates those things. So you can't just be like, well, because they had it there, it's certainly possible. But if you say this increases their risk, then it obviously has that point. You, they just, they're denying their own points in all of this, but then saying that they had a breakthrough infection is an interesting overlap. Because the problem is that people have continued to get sick. If they take the injections and then they get a problem that gets reported to VAERS, and then we know this thing destroys their immune system. Well, they're probably at some point going to have a breakthrough or whatever they call that. Then all they do is act like the report is conflated with the breakthrough. That is such an interesting way they're playing this. Either way, just even this watered down report is showing you the deaths are obviously correlated with what's going on. And it's, just, it's all being hidden from you. And that's, that is kind of an argument for the other side. Well, just to finish in general, here are some points that I made on a previous pirate stream or the, the pirate stream podcast. And this is just mind blowing to me. If this is a general point about vaccination, the UK rate of autism is up scientifically. I'll show you the study. Autism is up 787% since 2000. I don't even know why that's not completely. That is unbelievable. Talk about a safety signal. Have you heard about this on corporate media? How is that even possible? It's not a better diagnosis. It's not that doctors just know more now. It's not that parents want a diagnosis. It's not a different personality trait. This, I mean, this is scientifically studied. On the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry, peer-reviewed study, the trends in autism, UK population-based cohort study, there was a 787% exponential increase in incidence of autism between 1998 and 2018. Now, yes, it could be something else, but you have a dramatic increase of injections, specifically since the act of 1986. But this was where it exploded. And you can see the the correlation is impossible to miss. But certainly could be something else alongside that. But until we care to ask the question, they're never going to they don't want you to ask the question. You know why? I think because we know what this is. It's just, it's my, and this is a good example of the conclusion seemingly leading you astray. We know that there's been linkages. Despite their dismissal of it, there has been numerous peer-reviewed studies that have found obvious connections between specifically MMR shots and autism, but just generally vaccination and an increase in autism. There's been plenty of studies. The point is the conclusion doesn't even, it doesn't even, the study doesn't even get into that. 
There's not a single mention of vaccine in this entire discussion. How is it even possible? At the very least, by saying, well, we looked into this because people say that, none. Their point is, well, it could be because population growth or increased reporting or, yeah, it could be. It also could be because of thing causing autism. It's just, it's sad. And to take it one step further, to really rile up all those people that want to call me anti-vax despite just engaging with the science and being pro-fact, April 7, 2020. April 7, 2020, peer-reviewed study, Annals of, Internet, of Internal Medicine. Highly regarded outlet. Ask yourself how this can be posted. And in this very year, they still gave these shots to elderly people. The effect of influenza vaccination for the elderly on hospitalization and mortality. So what do you think? Safe and effective? Benefits outweigh the risks? Nope. Literally found that it has no effect. None. And yet they gave it to them anyway. Which, by the way, these things have known risks, known side effects. So with no benefit on mortality, they gave it to them anyway. As it says here. No evidence indicated that vaccination reduced hospitalizations or mortality among elderly persons. Okay, so the point is, if, it, if th- these things are known to not say, this does not stop transmission. <laughs> That's the obvious reality, just like what we're talking about. And we also know that this is clearly being shown to not even reduce these symptoms if we're showing no reduction in the real issues. Now, I mean, you can go, I shouldn't go that far. The study you should read for yourself. The bottom line, the one scientifically being found, no evidence that it reduced the thing that we know we're supposed to take them for, or that's what they tell you, pre-COVID, of course. Now it's just, well, did it make your sniffles go away? Then it's worth it, even though you might die. No. The point is, they always claim it's about stopping transmission and then secondarily reducing hospitalization and death. None of that's happening with these dangerous COVID shots. But here, no evidence that it did any of that. In elderly persons, the very group they focused this on, the estimates were precise enough to rule out results from other many other studies. Meaning, look, we did such a precise study that we ruled out that the previous studies that found there might be are wrong. Elderly persons may be less effective than believed at reducing Serious morbidity. Don't you love the conclusion? Even right there, it says no evidence that it has any reduction. And they just go, maybe less effective. That's the kind of game they play. As long as the conclusion says something that doesn't go afoul of the companies, then they get funded. But the reality is it didn't have any evidence of helping these people and reduce the risk. And they gave it to them anyway. Meanwhile, today, here's the kind of studies they're doing to help you stay safe from the thing that's not putting you in danger. The effect of wearing sunglasses on the risk of infection with SARS-CoV-2. Great. Yay. Random controlled trial. Spending all the money. JAMA Network. Don't you love how they care about these things? Random controlled trial. Like the, all this time and effort to put it. Okay, does it stop reduction if you wear glasses? I mean, this, this might as well be if you put a barrier between something. Does it have an effect? Stupid. The point is, guys, that you're not in danger from this. You're not in danger from dying if you for the vast, vast, vast majority of the of the of the population. The transmission risk. I mean, the bottom line is this should be focused on whether or not these things are killing people, whether or not the risks that go along with it or the increased risk of heart attack or the fact that this thing is even present. No, we're studying whether you can wear glasses and it makes a difference. Safe and effective. It's just an ins- it's insulting is what it is. And I think the evidence is blatantly clear. These things are hurting people. It's always been that clear. They're hiding from that. The risk of cardiac event, the children, everything. My God. So keep fighting, guys. Keep pushing the information out because you are winning. They know that. 
So they're going to try something. The powers that shouldn't be are going to try to warp this back in. So pay attention. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion. Eli Lilly paid $1.4 billion. Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 billion. And GlaxoSmithKline paid out a record $3 billion. For seven years, Glaxo failed to report data showing its best-selling diabetes drug. Avandia increased the risk of heart attack by as much as 40%. Opioid epidemic has killed more than 400,000 Americans. Tonight, Purdue agreeing to pay more than $8 billion in penalties. Antidepressant Paxil wasn't approved for use by patients under 18. The company illegally marketed the drug for use by children, even when a clinical trial found teenagers who took the drug for depression were more likely to commit suicide than those taking a placebo. Purdue Pharma pleading guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal health agencies and violating federal kickback laws for inducing doctors to prescribe those powerful opioids. Glaxo also hired a company to write a medical journal article downplaying the risks. The firm used PR firms and paid several doctors, including the U.S. celebrity doctor, Drew Pinsky, to promote the drug. If you can't trust medical research that gets published in very established journals, what can you trust? But as Bob Orr reports, the massive settlement may not lead to much change. Is fraud the business model of the pharmaceutical industry? No one's going to jail. No one's going to prison. And worse yet, they've set up a situation where Purdue's going to be able to continue on. You look at this thing, and I mean, if Pfizer is too big to fail, and even the biggest fine in history is just a few months' profit, then what's going to stop it from illegally promoting other drugs? Critics say Anderson nothing.